yourself to uh, another two and a half hours of this garbage. Gotta help you. I'm Annie. I'm Bill. Annie just got done doing a whole bunch of biking, so I'm trying to keep the energy up so That's Annie doesn't right. crash. I got us some cookies. I got us some Cokes. I'm trying to be a biking person here in Portland, Oregon. I'm well, you feeling were unhealthy. A person. It's not well, like this is not totally really. Anything for like, you. I would bike sometimes, but I'm trying to bike a half hour to an hour every day to get my exercise in. Yeah. So I'm not doing anything super arduous or anything. I'm just noodling around my neighborhood and Bike shit. to movie madness and check out the little hairy lime coat. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. But, uh, so it's interesting because, um, when you are a woman, uh, exerting yourself in public, you're going to get some reaction. It's I always what works. that part. Down in Texas, once I was biking you around. You just wear a raincoat while you're biking? There we go. Uh, down in Texas, once I was biking and I was at a stop sign and a dude pulled up in his truck next to me with a window down, just looked at me and said, don't back too much. I like a little something to hold on to. Oh, wow. And How old were you? I was a teenager. Yeah, I, mean, I was, I was say, like yeah. Because you've been here for most of your 20s and 30s. 15, maybe? Maybe wow. maybe 16? So, uh, anyway, the, uh, uh, here That's in Portland... That's where you were living in Classy, Texas, right? That's right. Well, town was, of Classy. I was actually living in a good neighborhood, too. Oh. Anyway, I, uh, last Sunday I biked to and from the podcast, and the way back to my house from here is just a bitch. It's a long, gentle incline that's just a pain in the ass. When you're fat, an incline? It's like hell! It is hell! A gentle incline is my nightmare. When I lived in Pittsburgh, <laughs> in the house before I lived in, before I moved out here, yeah. uh, there was it was like it was a good like five or six blocks between where we lived and the local grocery store. Mm-hmm. And it was a slight incline mm-hmm. from our house to the grocery store. Walking down there, fucking A. Yeah. Coming back. Yep. Oh my god. I and mean, you're talking a slight yeah. fucking incline. Yeah. yeah. But over if you're going long distance exactly. enough, and if, especially if you're yeah, no, it's it's I'm glad that's the same for all people. But if you're already kind of out of when shape. When you're out of shape, it's a slight incline. Misery. Yeah, it doesn't take a lot to fuck misery. you Misery. That is our equivalent of waterboarding. <laughs> it's a gentle, yeah. prolonged incline. So I'm like maybe three quarters of the way up this hill, and I'm just fucking done. My my hips are killing me. Like my my knee, my calves are giving out, and I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to get off my bo- bike you need and to carry walk. some uh, fucking uh, fireworks. So you yes, can, there in, we in go. emergency, you could take them to the side of the box, light them up, and just like fucking go. That is it. Yeah. That is, that'll solve my problem. But anyway, so I'm, and then I'm just panting, and I'm beat red, and I'm Aww. miserable. And I'm like, fuck it, I'm gonna get off my bike. And this dude is just ahead of me, getting ready to cross the street. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, fuck, I look well, like a fat thing, asshole yeah. performing in front of this dude like a fat monkey. And he just looks at me and gets this look on his face, and he starts clapping. He goes, you can do it, come on, you can do it, you can do it, you're almost there. At least he's sympathetic and well, not mocking. Exactly, and you know what? I got to the top of the hill, so. But oh, then it was okay. like, and then like yesterday I was biking around in the neighborhood, and these dudes are, are wandering around their car, and they honk at me. Uh-huh. From ahead, and I'm like, okay, whatever, and I pull, I'm like noodling over, and then as they drive by, I'm waiting for them to make some sort of snide comment, and they just go, yeah, you keep on keeping on, <laughs> and I'm like, am I so fat and out of weight that I just inspire pity out of everybody that they're like, you know, we're well, going to I have my tricycle. Whenever I ride my tricycle around, I get uh-huh. like either people not like laughing like like yeah. derisively. Yeah. I just I am a side. I'm a fat guy in a tricycle right yeah. around southeast Portland. If, if anything, I'm kinda like the most Portlandy kind of thing you'd see. <laughs> and not, I'm the polar opposite of all the sexy young live yeah. people. Oh man, nothing well, you makes were just you talking feel... about there's a yoga place you just found out right by your house. Yeah. And you were talking about how it's called you you tell us a story. I try not. Well, actually, I wasn't going to because I don't like to say here are ways to calibrate where my house is. You live. You live right behind the Little Caesars, <laughs> the dumpster. You're like a giant rat. I'll I'll bleep that out. You live next to beautiful yoga. Uh huh. Place called Thanks. Beautiful Annie's Beautiful Thanks, Face Bill. Yoga. <laughs> no, but 
anyway, it's it's hard to be an out of shape person trying to get in shape in Portland, Oregon, because there's so many beautiful in shape people in this town. No, but you were talking about I had somewhere to go with the yoga. I thing wasn't even going to talk about, about the fat yoga. Well, I, I was not, I was comparing that to me how everyone like. Like it's well, you, you like if you're doing exercise and stuff, you don't yeah. want to be around other skinny live people. Yeah, so nice to at least be like with other junk pile people. Exactly. Yeah. And... I would feel I would be and with another raccoon in a trash can. Is kind of what it is. Which I don't least... want to be at the dog show. So at least there's nice that there's an option like that in town. Yes. So. Yes. Um. But anyway, yeah. So I'm trying to do the bike thing, and we'll we'll see how it goes. I so far I have kept up my momentum. I keep thinking of Terry Crews, where he was like, "Yeah, you know, the secret to going to the gym every day is going to the gym every day, even if you don't work out. Exactly. Even yeah. you sit down and read magazines. So I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to even if I don't go on a long bike ride, I'm trying to get on my fucking bike I'm just every day. Picturing the poor bastard who's obsessed with Andy Maloney, who is now like taking edits from this podcast. Yeah. Whatever I leaked out, trying to figure out like, okay, he said something yoga. What is it? Now, if that's the touchstone, I can if I can figure out this. He's like running it through like fucking CIA computers trying to figure out where what the name of the yoga place is so he can hunt you down. And I, I have, thankfully I have not had any internet problems in a while, but I have had a stalker before and really? I kind of don't want to ever go through that in again. In real life or in, online? In, online that crossed over to real life. Oh, really? And it was really bad. So I don't ever want to do that again. I was very young and very foolish. Jesus. Okay. And it only has to happen once for you to never well, want it to happen again. Well, even if it never even happens, it's still I'm something you should think about. But that sucks that I was actually... Huh. So, anyway. Uh, did he if there's also anything like a little meat learned, on his bones or whatever the hell? If, if there's anything we've learned over the last two years, it's a really great time to be a woman on the internet. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, Bill, how you doing, buddy? Don't <laughs> you are i guess yeah. doing less exercise though yeah i'm really i'm trying to do the bike thing because my my depression is really kicking my ass lately i'm having a really hard time do you find that physical stuff actually helps the depression a little bit um it doesn't make it worse okay um, no, it's never a bad thing physically and i know some people if they actually get out and exercise that can help not even for, not even well there's a psychological thing if you sure. think at least i feel like less of an asshole if i'm just like sitting around all day yeah. but i know some people claim that like chemically it helps oh, their sure. brains yeah there are a lot of people who have who credit exercise to being a thing in their depression and i, I get always i get to a certain point in my depression where i need to do and like i need to do something well especially so. with you biking is the thing because i know you don't like to spend a lot of time alone you're not mm -hmm. big for like like yeah. baths by yourself and stuff like that and like yeah, yeah so biking you know, there's I mean you put on music and stuff and at least sure. keep yourself distracted and then get hit by a car because you're listening to <laughs> exactly well no when I but. when I listen to music I just, just turn on my phone and stick it in my pocket and then I'm just the asshole biking around with music yeah. but no you're absolutely correct I correct I don't do well with quietude and solitude and uh, the thing about biking is it is just exerting enough that my mind can be a little blank okay it's not as good as whiskey but <laughs> that's not an option anymore okay, so. that's not so bad then yeah, yeah I'm, you know and at least I guess it is a task driven aloneness yeah it's just not just like sitting in your fucking bathroom staring at the walls taking a right. shit with a, like a bottle of whiskey in your hand exactly which, exactly poor man's vacation right there. that's right bill anyway uh your yeah best friend's so, getting married you don't want to fly across the country so you spend all weekend on the toilet getting that, drunk that did happen to me actually once. Yeah. so uh anyway bill age of ultron you want to go see it huh you you don't care about you didn't see it yet. i am I so know. fatigued everyone I've else been, is all like i gotta go see ultron you gotta i've been kind of i mean i'm really glad that people are having a good time. I've been kind of fatigued by the Marvel Universe for Oh yeah, a while that's now. what everyone's saying. And so, so was I, but I actually kind of like this movie. Yeah. What did you think of the first Avengers movie? I thought movie? it was okay. Then you will think exactly the same thing about this movie. Because <laughs> it is exactly the same fucking movie. It, yeah. No, I mean, it's a little bit it really is the first fucking movie. Except yeah. the heroes get their asses kicked halfway through the movie instead mm -hmm. of kind of like towards the end. Mm -hmm. But I kind of maybe it's because 
because I went in there, like, I wasn't excited necessarily. It's just like, it's another Marvel movie. They're all kind of the same. They're, I mean, some are better and some are worse. Sure. But they're all kind of on the general same yeah. slight incline. Yeah. <laughs> slight decline, maybe, at the worst. But never, like, yeah. Sure. It's not a wild roller coaster sure. difference between each movie. But, uh, yeah, even when I went to go get my ticket from the lady at the back, she's like, are you excited? And I was like, I didn't even think about it. I was like, yeah. I have nothing else to do this afternoon. <laughs> and she was just like... It was like this weirdly honest answer that I caught myself. I can feel myself being like an Asperger kind of crazy person because I was just like, yeah, I don't know what to do. Let me in. I'm scared of sun. I'm just going to sit in the, in the air conditioning for a little <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. But I just went in and it was like, maybe because I have kind of no expectations. I was yeah. like, oh yeah, I forgot these movies can actually be kind of fun. Yeah. And yeah. especially because it's Joss Whedon, so it's yeah. just, you know, quippy dialogue. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of cute and you know this is good you know uh, if you like movies where heroes have to they get their asses kicked and they have to regroup at a farmhouse <laughs> this is the movie for you because that's like that in the Ninja it, Turtles I was going to say the first Ninja Turtle movie I'm sitting there watching this movie uh, I'm gonna, did, I like this part because this is also my favorite part of the Ninja Turtles did, movie did uh uh um, Scarlett Johansson do a pencil drawing of Captain America sitting in a bathtub. Oh, okay, that close. Did they do that in the Ninja Turtles movie? Uh, April O'Neil draws draws Leonardo in the bathtub. Why is Leonardo in the bathtub? Is I... it sexy? Because I'm thinking Titanic now. Because <laughs> no. you're thinking of somebody drawing no. someone else. No, it's not sexy. She does. She does. She draws. Is all she drawing them. like a, like the Ninja Turtle, like cartoon Ninja Turtle? No, then? is that the that kind would of joke? Actually, be really funny. No, it's like and a, like. It, it, like I'm just see scared. if I'm not going crazy. You keep no. talking. I don't remember the movie. that. April then again, I haven't actually watched the first Ninja Turtles movie Leonardo. since it first came out. But, uh, yeah, no. I mean, Ultron, he's got weird silver lips that kind of freaked me out. Um, uh, excuse me. He is sitting on a stool, sadly. That's what it is. is excuse he just me. Sleeping? That's even creepier. <laughs> it's like he's posing, I guess. I don't know. Oh, I remember weird. there being a bathtub. I maybe be. Maybe <laughs> Projecting your sexual fantasy. That's like it, that. exactly. How old were you when the first Ninja Turtles movie came out? Oh man, because I was like maybe in high school when that came out. But I remember thinking, like, uh, it was right when I was thinking I was getting too old for movies like that, and I kind of begrudgingly went to go see it just because I was kind of curious about the Jim Henson Creature Shop. Effects. Yeah, but then I remember saying, "It's a good movie. I actually like this." The heroes get their asses kicked. The I don't know if I've cool. seen that movie since it was 1990, so oh, I was six years God. old. I was 15. Well, like I guess that that sounds about right to be all like, oh, I'm getting too old for these. I really movies, loved that movie. I really loved Raphael. Uh, he was my favorite Ninja Turtle. Uh, there was and no I liked that he wore like a trench coat and a fedora. <laughs> there was no scene where uh, Iron Man uh, gets hit by a cab while walking out of the watching critters, unfortunately. <laughs> Does that happen? There's no scene where Cats and Mary gets in a fight with Casey Jones and they hit each other for no reason while talking to each other in a, no. ball, in a fucking park. Oh, um, yeah, no. Um, I don't know. You, you even care enough about Ultron to keep on well, talking Well, did you have a good time? Yeah, it was what, really what good. What were your feelings about it? Oh, man, the thing that fucking killed me, though. Ultron yeah. was good, Yeah. but I totally forgot the whole reason that they, like... The whole MacGuffin? The fucking Star Wars trailer. I forgot that it was oh, attached. Oh, yeah! And so I'm sitting down, like, I'm not, I'm like, I don't know, I'm yeah. glad I had to be sudden. I don't remember. And, like, I was like, oh, shit, this, I'm gonna see this trailer! Yeah. And this is the first time I've seen, like, the big screen. I, yeah. I don't think I even saw the first trailer on the big screen, so yeah. That's the first time we've seen any kind of new Star Wars on the big screen. Yeah. It's funny. I was going to say, since since the, the special editions came out, I've totally forgot about the prequels. Yeah. 
<laughs> right, right, right. It, it, the only real Star Wars stuff to me involves Mark Hamill, and hear yeah. Mark Hamill's voice on the big screen for the first yeah. time in those twenty years, I got like really like I had like this total recall flashback to seeing Return of the Jedi for the first time when yeah. I was like fucking eight years old. Yeah. Back in 1983, just, like, the sound of that voice reverberating in a movie theater. Something about that was just totally, like, transported. Like, in the same way, it's not even, like, oh, a fond memory, but the same way, like, if you smell the right kind of smell, Mm -hmm. just subconsciously, you get knocked Mm -hmm. back somewhere in your brain. Yeah. And this is what exactly happened to me, where it was just, like, like, involuntary. It wasn't me being intentionally, like, I want to be wistful. Yeah. Because I want to be wistful about this movie, but just the sensation about something like that just was, like, like, a weird feeling. Yeah. I was like, I got a little misty eye to Right. No. Not to be all like, boop, 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 boop. it could still be a terrible movie. Right, Who knows? right. Uh, but just, yeah, that trailer on the big screen was fucking awesome. Oh, that's so good. But uh, Ultron stuff happens. <laughs> you you had a good what? time? You don't Have regret you spending your $10 on that fucking movie ticket? You know what the terrible thing is? I'm a big fat dope enough that I thought that the movie theater was going to be packed enough. I actually bought two tickets. Uh huh. Because I like spreading myself out sure. a little bit. Yeah. I thought the theater was going to be packed. Yeah. No! <laughs> I should have brought somebody. I was going to buy two tickets. Um, uh, yeah. Oh, speaking of which. Uh, 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 bought two tickets for Mad Max last Mad night. Max. Oh, man. I can't believe Mad Max is happening next week. Is it next week? Is it, is it next week or week after next? It's not this, this month. weekend. Excuse me. It is it's week It's a week from next. this weekend. Yes. So, like, two weeks from yesterday will be, like, the yeah. day everyone goes out to see Mad Max on Mad Saturday. Max. They have screenings on Thursday night at 7 o'clock. That's what I bought tickets. Oh, oh I 7 sent o'clock. you an email asking well, if you want to go Well, you said Thursday see. night, and I presumed it was a midnight screening. No, 7 o'clock. And I'm like, they still have tickets available if you want to go. Yeah, okay. It might be a little early in the night for you, because I don't know. You might just be getting off work It's, then, it's but... a school night, yeah. I but, try not to go see movies on school night. Yeah. I that's 7 o'clock. That's better than midnight, though. But I'm in bed by want... 9 o'clock. Oh, that's perfect. You go see the movie, and you go, like, like you Foley drives you. The movie ends at 9 o'clock. You can be asleep in the car. <laughs> and she just picks you up and carries you and puts you in your bed. And the last thing you remember from that day is, like, watching the credits roll. And you go, let me go see people. <laughs> no, but Ultron, have you ever heard of The Vision? This is a, he. I guess he is actually no. part of the Avengers cast in, in the comics and stuff. No, um, it's Paul Bettany. Oh, Paul Bettany, get to see Paul Bettany for ten Aww. seconds. So there's a point where so the whole point of the Age of Ultron is um, uh, Tony Stark decides that. Wait, isn't Paul Bettany the voice of Jarvis? Yeah. So what happens? The whole gist of Age of Ultron, Iron Man decides that. The Avengers can't retire unless there's someone else there to take their place, like, protecting the world. So okay. he's like, okay, I know how to build robots. I'm going to build a robot army yeah. that can just protect the world, and we Avengers can go fuck off and go retire. And, uh, unfortunately, the first AI he builds to lead the army turns out to be a bad guy, turns into Ultron, he, you know, he's, like, all corrupted and goes sure. crazy and shit like that. In order to fight Ultron, he then decides, okay, you <laughs> know what, Jarvis? <laughs> yeah! <laughs> I'm going to put you in a fucking robot body. Okay. And kick his ass. Okay. It's a little more complicated than that. That's sure. essentially what happened. Sure. So he has the same Paul Bettany walking around. They put him in like a fleshy... So he gets a special... Well, technically the robot suit that Jarvis is walking around in is actually built by Ultron because Ultron wants to give himself... He doesn't doesn't want to just be a metal robot guy. Sure. He wants to be like a human being made out of, made out of vibranium, which is the same metal that Captain America's... Shield. Shield is made yeah. Of? Okay. And there's this whole thing about everyone's fighting over vibranium and shit in the movie, and so he, the, Ultron, builds essentially a human being made out of this metal stuff. Uh huh. Then Tony Stark steals it back and puts Jarvis in into this body. Sure. And but but then he got Paul Bettany walking around, and he is 
great because I, I can't tell whether or not it's just really good motion capture uh-huh. or if it's they actually shot Paul Bettany and kind of CGI'd all the pores out of his face because he's mm. supposed to be a metal man. He's not. He's supposed to be like organic, but like made out of like fleshy sure. synth metal stuff. Mm-hmm. So he has no pores or anything like that. So they've CGI'd all the pores out of his face. Interesting. But it's I love great. the idea that a, an AI would think I'm going to make myself a human shell. It's gonna look like Paul Bettany. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> And he's gonna have two eyes for no reason. He's just gonna like. Oh. But no, like Paul Bettany in particular. Like, if you're gonna pick any human being, turns out, <laughs> turns out Ultron is also a huge Master and Commander fan. Well, <laughs> um, that's the thing. Well, also Jarvis is like, you know, he's always been a you know great little side character in those mm-hmm. movies, a little voice of reason. Mm-hmm. And actually, for Paul Bettany, just I haven't seen yeah. Paul Bettany's face in anything. Yeah. And I think my only real reference for Paul Bettany is Master and Commander, yeah. and he's such a civilized, great presence in that movie. Yeah. To see him being this new super bat, more powerful. Badass superhero than anyone else in this movie. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> and then, um, it's just, it's just. Well, the, the crazy thing about Ultron too, he's the first superhero I've seen in any of these new movies, either Marvel or DC or anything else, who actually looks like he just walked out of an old time like Silver Age comic book. Mm-hmm. Whereas, Wait, Ultron? Yeah. Oh no, no, no. Uh, uh, the Vision. Oh, okay. What Vision, aka Jarvis? What the fuck you want to call him? Vision is the worst name for. They come up with it. So like, the only reason it's called the Vision instead of just Jarvis is at some point Ultron's like, I had a vision for what the perfect robot would be, and that's oh. this. I'll call him the Vision, and I will put my brain into it. Then, then Tony starts like, No, I'm gonna steal. I'm gonna put Jarvis. In there, fuck you, <laughs> asshole. Um, that's so. That's vision. why he's called the Vision or whatever. Sure. He looks like it's great because he looks like he really walked out of like a Silver Age comic book, like a Jack Kirby comic book. Because whereas all superheroes in live action movies now, they have to be kind of grounded and kind of realistic looking. Everyone's got to be kind of scruffy with a little bit of like fucking facial hair, a little like scruff. And yeah, no, not him. I mean, he was still mostly CGI, sure, but he's just a purple dude with little (laughs) tights with little whatever the fuck Jack Kirby lines all over his face and a fucking metal cape and a and a fucking gem in his forehead. When he's running around fighting with the rest of the Avengers, that's it felt like the most comic booky superhero comic book yeah. thing I've ever seen. Especially when everyone's fighting at the end and and there's a couple other people who join the Avengers too. They're, wow, you're not kidding. That's what, uh, let me see. I just googled like is that is that kind of what he looks like? That's exactly what he looks like. <laughs> he, he looks, looks ridiculous. Like, he looks like Mr. Mick superhero. Yeah. And it's fucking I mean he's purple too. It's, it's <laughs> So when you, you see, he looks all like angelic and badass, but yeah. when he stops, he's it's like, oh, it's still Paul Bettany going. Yeah. Would you like some soup, Mister yeah. Mister Stark? Um, oh my god! But yeah, um, so yeah, it's him. It's it's a uh, fast dude, crazy lady. <laughs> fast dude. There's a whole, there's some other people show up. Um, uh, do you mean Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch? How do I know this and the, you don't? Did you see the last X Men movie where they show up in, or at least Quicksilver? Show no, up in? I miss. Well, they so were very briefly in the Avengers, weren't they? Or no, in Thor or something. They were in a oh, present. At the end of the so. second Captain America movie, they oh, were the teaser. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, a whole blah 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 blah. But uh, yeah, they kind of show up. They're first, they're villains, and they turn into good guys. Which I don't know anything about the comics, so I actually thought they were the villains when they turn into good guys. I was Here like. Is- Like almost like founding members of the Avengers in the comics. Here's how little I know about this shit. All I know about Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch is that they're Magneto's kids, right? 
Yeah, since they can't reference the X Men, well, they're also supposed to be mutants because you know they're they're yeah, a mutants okay, kids. Yeah. They're supposed to be mutants in the movie because legally they're not allowed to talk right. about X Men. So they can't even use the word mutant. Mm. It turns out that they're like the result of like Nazi experiments using Loki's staff from the first movie. Oh sure. Because for some reason Nazis are still running around like 2015 America. Well, you got to for fucking Captain America. I know. Well, yeah. it's, technically, it's Hydra, even though it's um, well, like a fucking okay, German dude that are like yes. oh, Achtung, Achtung, die Meister. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, Age of Ultron, and uh, especially it ends too. Like, there's a big fight. The fight is almost exactly it's, it's <laughs> the Avengers fighting an endless horde instead of uh-huh. instead of aliens, instead of robots. Mm-hmm. But it's still you know, like camera panning around while they're all doing their crazy shit. And uh, it's kind of nice though because it's totally. I mean, just when he's leaving all the Marvel stuff after this, you can totally tell that this is his like final statement on superhero ship. Because even like the end credits, yeah, is all the characters done up as like kind of Greek god Marvel statues. Oh, with the interesting. Camera revolving around while it shows like you know the name of each person and right next to the, the, their their character and like carved in marble. Interesting. It's kind of nice. It's like yeah, it really kind of goes back to like you know like superheroes being like these Greek modern Greek gods. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, but it's still you know, but they're also also funny Greek gods. And yeah, the only thing that sucks is, um, who's Red Lady? She gets captured for a while. She gets Princess Peached. Who's the sexy Red, Red lady? lady? Yeah, she wears black leather. Black Widow? Scarlett Johansson? Yeah. Yeah, she gets captured for a little while. Oh, but she did. They, they damseled the only woman in the entire movie? Well, they make up for that. The other woman, the new lady, she ends up being... Scarlet Witch kinda, or whatever? You can only have one good guy in that team at the same time. <laughs> one lady good guy. Uh, but is she also dating the Hulk? And the fact that she's the only one who can calm the Hulk down, so how are they forget how to control the Hulk? So the yeah. Hulk turns into the Hulk. The only way they can like make him not be the Hulk is they have Scarlett Johansson come up and touch him. Oh, like the, the King, King Kong sort of thing. And I'm like, totally beauty and beauty. I'm, surpri- beauty. I'm surprised like a Mrs. Potts and Chip don't come up <laughs> when he's trying to calm Bill, her down. It's a tale as old as time. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, oh man, all the Hawkeye shippers are going to be mad. Hawkeye's like a huge character in this movie. Oh, seriously. From the one guy well, he who was, has no powers. He was a fan favorite in the last one. Yeah! He's got some of the best lines and shit in this. Uh, so the farmhouse, they go to back to... I'm spoiling the whole guy. Yeah, I was going to say, sorry for anybody who wants to see Why this Because you might be vaguely interested. You like yeah, Hawkeye. Maybe. Um, sure. There's no pizza dog. No. Oh, they should have pizza dog at the farmhouse. So the farmhouse they hide out in is... is it belongs to Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. And, but he got a wife. He got kids. He didn't tell anyone. Oh. So that's why they pawn off yeah. fucking Natasha Romanoff to the Hulk because right. he, he can't date him because he got family. But his wife is Linda Cardellini from Freaks and Geeks. And I was like, yeah, she showed up. I just got for Linda Cardellini. <laughs> and uh, just, there's just like that to them. Yeah. That's really Not good. I don't want to oversell or anything. Because like, actually, a lot of people are dog- dogging on this movie. I was going to say, I've heard about. a lot of people go, meh. Well, I've seen between this, a lot of people complaining about how much more dour this is. Mm. It's a little more dour. The gears are getting their asses kicked throughout the whole movie. And, but, again, because <laughs> I kind of went time. with no expectations. Yeah. And interesting, they kind of set up the idea that, like, the Avengers team, as we know it, doesn't always have to be the Avengers team, which sure. is kind of nice. Yeah. So you can already tell that they're already, like, the Marvel Cinematic Universe with this movie is already kind of set up the idea that, like... It can evolve Not every ma- Avengers movie in the world is going to be fucking Thor and Captain America right. and shit like that. So yeah. it's just smart for them because, Christ, how many fucking movies have these guys made already? Yeah. It's been less than ten years and each of these guys have been in, like, a dozen fucking movies. Yeah. So it makes... Uh, so it's actually kind of nice to see that they're up for, like, actually having a revolving cast. Which, yeah. I mean, that's how the comics work, too. Sure. It's about time they but it's also kinda... smart just from a financial perspective. It's like, yeah. I can't fucking pay for all 
all these bitches. Well, essentially, by the end of this movie, Tony Stark, he's like, you know what? Avengers cool, but I'm going to go do this. And Hawkeye, he's essentially retired to his farm. Every time you say Hawkeye, I hear you say hot guy. <laughs> Not his face. Man, and like watching this movie. I got, I just seen a fucking Hawkeye talking. What is that thing where he came out last week where he was calling, talking about what a slut and a whore <gasps> yeah. Black Widow was? Yeah. And like... Every time he opens his mouth, I think about it a little bit. Because he got that yeah. face. Now, yeah. now I see his face. I just want to hit him a little bit. <laughs> Fucking asshole. But then it was like, it kind of wore off a little bit. But still. That, he's, that character's kind of tainted for me. Yeah, I can understand that. I, 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 I say Hawkeye and I think of fucking MASH. <laughs> Alan Alder. That should be a joke. And then I think of that Nicholas Sparks movie, so it all is full circle. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, while Bill was seeing Age of Ultron, I saw a movie last week. I went to go see Touch of Evil at the Hollywood Theater. Apparently, it was Orson Welles' birthday, so they they screened... (laughs) That's kind of fun. They screened Touch of Evil, and then this weekend, they're screening Citizen Kane as well. the dyslexic the home, that's Touch of Live? (laughs) Exactly. Um, I've never seen... uh, I've never seen an Orson Welles movie at all. Really? Yeah. I've just never... Always missed him. Uh, Supposedly, his best movie is The Magnificent Ambersons, which I've never heard of until very recently. (laughs) I got the... I've got the Citizen Kane Blu-ray where they spent half their time talking how much better this other movie, this Magnificent (laughs) Amberson movie is. like... So what do you think of Touch of Evil? Well, let me. Well, so I decided I'm going to go see this movie, and I'm like, I give myself an hour after work to get there by bus, forgetting that it's May Day, and so there are all the May Day protests going on downtown. Protesting what? Um, it's like it's a day that folks. Um, I thought it was a Russian Soviet Union communist kind of shit. No, well, sort of. I mean, it is. It's like low. It's like I mean, low we wage. We need a May Day. It's workers' rights sort of oh, thing. Okay. So, oh, I know there were protests. I thought it was like Ferguson, well, fucking not, Baltimore shit. Well, I mean, there's. It's all. It's it's a poverty issue. It's not a race issue. I mean, it is, but you know, it's president's like, coming to town on Thursday just to fly. Oh yeah, don't get fucked up downtown. So don't go downtown. Yeah, I was gonna say Thursday. don't play. Anyway, anyway yeah. so the bus was an hour late, and I got Jesus. I almost missed the opening of the movie. Is this the Hollywood? Yeah, yeah. Which would have been a fucking crime because that opening shot of that movie was amazing. I literally I've never seen it. I've literally ran, got and sat down in the theater as this opening shot starts. Did you get a good seat? Uh, I sat. I felt like a fucking. Uh, I felt like a Amelie. I sat underneath the projector, <laughs> like literally. Anyway, the worst uh, place to it sit. was. It was fine. But no, Bill. The opening shot, Touch of Evil, is a good movie. It's not. It's. it's <laughs> you weren't transported to a was, magical kingdom. Let me put it this yeah. way. I feel like I may never want to see another Orson Welles movie. I don't know. It was really good. This is one of his later movies too. So the second yeah, movie, this, this would be more him. polished than some of the other I was yeah. reading like this is one of his favorite movies, his best movies. I'm like, okay. Uh, but I, and the thing everyone kept saying about it was, oh, you're gonna see Charlton Heston as a Mexican. That's all any everyone's first reaction. Does he have a bad Mexican movies. accent? He tries to speak Spanish and it's so bad. But anyway, oh, the like, opening so. shot of this movie is this amazing crane shot that's on a car. Like, so the crane moves and it follows. Is it going up and down? Is that why yes. it's on a crane? And like, yeah, in and out. And yeah, it's crazy because it opens like with this man and a woman who come out of a club and get in their car and it kind of pulls away as they get in their car and the car backs out in the street and the camera moves with them down this street. And then you see the two protagonists, Chuck huh. Heston and his wife, uh, walking oh, down so next to it. Oh, so he's actually a protagonist. Okay, I thought maybe yeah. Charlton Heston he's playing the hero. a Mexican. He'd be like well, some see, kind of like 
that was my thing. Thug gang member bad guy or something. I was wait. This movie is kind is is Chuck Heston as a um uh, as, as if you've gone to. Dinner I was gonna say my pal Chuck uh, Charlton Heston oh. plays a Hispanic um uh, police officer okay. on the border in this fictional border town, whereas mm. um, Orson Welles plays the um. Uh, basically the American uh, police officer, and yeah. they come into conflict. And uh, specifically, uh, Charlton Heston is a, specializes in narcotics, and he just is getting ready to um, put the one of the Grande brothers on trial. They keep calling him Grand, so I guess I should say they're putting one of the Grand brothers That's on Grande. trial. Grande, yeah, you're from fucking Texas. Yeah, it was, it's, it's on, very guys. strange. Well, it's interesting because th- it's so weird to see. I was waiting for the dynamic to maybe be like, well, maybe Orson Welles is like gonna pin something on the evil Mexican. Like, that was kind mm-hmm. of what I was expecting, but in fact, he, uh, Charlton Heston really is the hero of this movie. And it's so interesting to have that be a Hispanic character, even if it guy? is Because I've always known he's supposed he's, to be kind of like a greasy, fat, it's a, weird, it's like, It's a morally gray character. Oh, I actually yeah. felt most sympathetic with him afterwards, because he's 12 years sober, struggling with the death of his wife long ago. Okay, because I've always he, heard him positioned as the villain, so he's, he's more just like... He's he's a sympathetic villain. Is he's, an actual villain, or is it just like circumstances? The villain. Well, Which, that's I mean, a lot of it's stuff. about drugs is it and more? like, yeah, oh yeah, it's capital N. Only uh, the only reason I would think I suspect it's noir because I know it's about crime and cops and yeah. it's black and white. So it is. I just assume it's noir. <laughs> yes, yeah. but yeah, it's kind of capital N noir. But it was really, really good. But is so like cartoonish at some points. Of, like. It, but it was it was really it, it was, I felt like an asshole though because I was left and I was like wow I really wish someone would remake that movie which I feel <laughs> is like not what you should say about an Orson Welles movie but I thought the story was good at least you're being honest with yourself at least you're not like salivating on yourself like oh that was yeah. Orson Welles that must have been a masterpiece you're like yeah, there yeah, were some phenomenal shots it, but it's, in yeah. it just phenomenal like that opening shot you need to look up the opening shot of Touch of Evil we should just watch else. it now we'll just like live comedy <laughs> exactly um, but anyway I looked up into it afterwards and apparently Charlton Heston was attached to the movie first, and Orson Welles was just going to act, huh. and uh, Orson Welles like er, Carl Charlton Heston was like, "I will only be in this movie if he directs." This say what version you watched because I know that was a thing, version, yeah. And I know like in 1988, someone like uncovered. Like, I guess it's a whole well, notebook of Orson Welles's... He had sent notes. Or something like that, yeah. yeah. On how he wanted it to be edited. They, I missed the introduction. Like, I literally sat down. Okay. I'm guessing because it was... I mean, it's a non-profit dedicated to movie preservation and stuff. I'm guessing it was Orson CGI Welles' and they're like, suddenly... Like, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, apparently, um, Orson Welles is like, sure, I'll, t- I'll take this on, but I'll, I'm going to rewrite it. And okay. so one of the things he changed was uh, Charlton Heston's character originally was white, and his wife was Hispanic. And the movie uh, was—it's just interesting to change that dynamic and have it be him be a Hispanic protagonist. It's okay. just an interesting, an interesting thing. So it's is the fact that he's Hispanic actually relevant to the plot? Or enormously, because I guess yeah. from a character's perspective, there's a whole kinda... race thing going on here. Because it basically okay. boils down to um, uh, Orson Welles' character is racist, mm-hmm. and he's like, "I'm gonna get all of you dirty that Mexicans." That's Harry Lime, right? Because I've always heard the character's name. Uh, no, his name is not Harry Lime. His name oh, is okay. Quinlan. Whatever, Hank, Hank Quinlan. Whatever it is, his, his coat is hanging up in Movie Madness, the local uh, video spot where they have all the... Orson Welles looks like hell in this movie because they had him. They now. made him. He, he apparently was in like hours of makeup every day to make himself even look worse. Yeah. Can you tell I read the Wikipedia entry on this <laughs> as I left the fucking theater? Anyway, it was a lot of fun. It reminded me a lot of Big Big Sleep. 
actually, weirdly, in that it was like a pretty movie with lots of heavy hitters, but it was kind of hard to follow for a moment. lightweight and kind of weird. And, yeah, and it, apparently, sure enough, he was like, I bet you I could... It's like he wanted to make a movie more confusing than Big Sleep, <laughs> but still good. But yeah, that fucking opening you crane should, shot is nuts. I'm kind of curious to see your reaction, because I've only seen... The only Orson Welles movie I've seen has been the Transformers the movie. <laughs> And uh, Citizen Kane, which mm-hmm. I only watched. I watched it for the first time in high school. Like there was a film class that I took, and it was sure. all you know. Yeah, everyone had to watch it. Yeah, but yeah, no, I, I picked it up on Blu-ray just last fall, and I actually watched it again on my own merits. So I was like, actually, this is a fucking good movie. Yeah. I don't know if it's the best movie of all time, but sure. I was like, this is actually legitimately good. I can see why people are <clears throat> freaking out about it. But I always worry if you ever want to borrow it, yeah, I have it. It's just there are some okay, movies right. that I'm hesitant to watch because they've been spoofed so much. I worry that they Citizen will have all Kane, their... actually, like, you get the Rosebud thing yeah. and a couple other things, but not really. There's enough stuff in there where it's like, oh, this is actually an interesting story about this sure. guy's life. And yeah. just interesting to see, you know, yeah, especially young Orson Welles, you know, yeah. you get to see a lot of him. So, But I mean, I say hey, that... He sounds like Maurice LaMarche. <laughs> <laughs> there are two two movies that I've seen that I put off because I didn't want to see them because I'd seen the spoof so much mm-hmm. were Jaws and The Shining. And I actually love both those movies. And they were a lot of fun even having, especially the Shining. Those are those are two movies. Yeah, um, still not. A, I think The Shining sucks. I loved The I think, Shining. I don't, I don't hate The Shining. I was delighted. But I don't by think it. it's a very good movie. I don't even think it's that interesting of a horror movie. It's, yeah. It looks pretty. There's some interesting things going on it. Yeah. But like I've seen it a couple times and I'm just like, oh, that's a I don't movie. Know, seeing it for the first it's time. It's no stuff. Uh, seeing it for the first time around Holly uh, around Halloween in yeah, the original the right original film yeah. in a theater with a bunch of people who are really enjoying it. Was I saw a really it like good home time. video once, yeah. like 1995. I'm just like, the fuck. Well, see, is that's that why shit? I'm really trying to. Whenever the Hollywood theater shows a classic movie, even if I'm like, I'm like, eh. I'm trying right, to go yeah. see it because like I went to go see because they're also showing Citizen Kane as part of this program. They right? are. They're showing yeah. it this weekend, but I don't have time to do it. But um, oh, anyway, I enjoyed Touch of Evil. It was really oddly. It was really hard because. Um, uh, Orson Welles' character, Hank Quinlan, falls off the wagon mm-hmm. at some point. And that was actually really hard to watch as a recovering alcoholic. It was mm. really hard. But um, that made it for a long walk home. But other than that, it was I really had a good time. It was a good movie. Mm. Uh, Bill, tell me about The Green Mile versus The Shawshank Shank Redemption. Have you ever Shawshank seen two Redemption. of those movies? I've seen The Shawshank Redemption many times. I've seen that with the movie, too. What do you think of The Shawshank Redemption? I like it. Yeah, it's too. one of those movies where it's always on TBS. <laughs> so... So what happens? I've got fake cable. I've seen they like, have TBS. Guess what they showed all weekend last weekend? I think a fucking I've seen shock. like it, the Shawshank Redemption in fifteen minute chunks about a hundred. It was like being transported back to like nineteen ninety nine. Whereas like flipping the cable, it's like oh Shawshank Redemption. And actually, because like the Sling TV thing on the Xbox, you can mm-hmm. you can preview what they're showing for the rest of the day, and yeah. it's just all Shawshank Redemption, Shawshank Redemption, Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> so I actually watched that, and then the Green Mile, which I knew was made by essentially by the same people. It's Frank Darabont. Bond, written uh-huh. directed by Frank Dyer Bond, you know, from a, from a Is it still Thomas story. Newman scri- uh, uh, Thomas score? Thomas Newman, do 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 Soundtrack. What's the other thing with the Avengers movie? Yeah. And still, so the first Avengers movie was scored by uh, uh, Alan Silvestri, who did the music for Back to the Future. Uh-huh. The second one is, the new one is uh-huh. fucking Danny Elfman. Oh, still, is it? It's just like, there's no, like, there's a lot of music in it, but no, like, no oh, theme. you think of especially for a superhero movie with yeah. this many superheroes. You, you need think a there'd theme. be a little bit like, there's like, dun, 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 it should dun, be dun, dun, like dun. fucking uh, Peter the Wolf, or should, people fucking, should have like, hey, yeah. Themes you should come out of that movie theater fucking doing the dance. Operatic. Like, how like people come out of the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie doing a little, like, a little Irish jig. <laughs> I'm doing an actual dance while I'm talking about this. But no, anyway, so what I was, yeah, with Thomas Newman. Yeah. 
Anyway, Thomas Newman the is doing Star- music for Star Wars movies now. That just cracks me is up. Is he? He's doing the he's doing the score for the first Star Wars anthology he, for the Rogue One really? movie. Really? I think that's what it is. Oh man, that actually. So I'm not. I am not the film score nerd you are, but I love Thomas Newman. Thomas Newman is. Well, no, we know each other, but we each know about as much Thomas yes. Newman. I, like I like more. You know what? I'm not more of a film score nerd than you are. I just love John Williams more than you. <laughs> not automatically make true. me a film scorner. Uh, yeah, Thomas Newman, he did the music for Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, his score and a movie for... where there's a clarinet going doo-doo-doo. <laughs> he did the score for Little Women, which is amazing. He did the yeah. score he, he did the score for um uh fucking um, Road to Perdition, which he is one of my favorite very scores. Very kind of magical sound. He did an amazing Who did who did uh, Road to Perdition? No, that was uh fucking what's his name was doing Bond now. Oh, fucking uh, Steve Martin. <laughs> Fucking you got one. it. Not Martin Campbell, but the other no, guy. No, uh, fucking the dude who did uh, fucking the movie, know, yeah, the American exactly. movie with the, the guy that's kind of, oh yeah, fucking yeah. American Beauty. Again, yeah. American Beauty. Here's the thing where we just make gestures at each other. So, you know what? So he, you know what? One of his first jobs in Hollywood is okay. So Thomas Newman, he's like the grandson or something of Alfred. Newman, uh-huh. who wrote the... Tw- we have talked about this on the podcast before. He did Finding Nemo. He did the 20th Century Fox fanfare. So yeah, at the beginning oh. of every Star Wars movie, that Thomas Newman is that kid's grandkid. Also, Alfred Newman is also the namesake of Alfred E. Newman. Oh, Mad seriously? But, oh, I did know that, I think. So yeah. anyway, Thomas Newman, one of his first jobs is he orchestrated... He worked at... Uh, uh, with John Williams, uh, when he first started off, he would, did some orchestration oh. stuff. He orchestrated the scene, uh, the music for the scene in, in Return of the Jedi, where Darth Vader dies. Really? So we had like the little, the little Imperial March. Dun, yeah. Dun, 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 like yeah. that last little yeah. thing when he dies. Yeah. That is technically, I mean, it's written by John Williams. John, sure. Really, John Williams was the one who said. Sam Mendes is the name we were trying to remember. John Williams was, oh, Sam Mendes, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Um. But John Williams one, he says, okay, we need to put, like, real quiet period music. <laughs> so Thomas Newman had to, we want to, okay, we had to figure out which, okay, is this going to be strings? Is this going to be fucking cello? Is this going to be a full, like, a little fucking ding, ding, ding? Anyway, yeah, he's doing music. Oh, man, that'd be really good. Well, the thing is, everyone's suspecting because John Williams is super, he's kind of winding down. Yeah. Everyone's like, you got to get Thomas Newman. If, if like, the Skywalker yeah. movies, if if, if yeah. John Williams can't do, like, episodes eight and nine, yeah. you get fucking Thomas Newman in there. Yeah. That means you would have a fucking... You'd have a movie directed by Brick, scored by Little Woman. That'd be the best. That'd be fucking my fucking brain would amazing. split apart. Oh, fucking amazing! I really want him to get. So Nathan Johnson is his, I think, cousin who scored all of Ryan Johnson's movies. If there's some sort of cantina see. band, I want Nathan oh, Johnson to that. do. I only come up with an excuse just to have some kind of in-universe music. Exactly. So like... Where uh, fucking uh, what's his name? Jonathan? Not Jonathan Taylor Thomas. <laughs> Joseph Gordon Lovett, excuse me, 90s child actor brain fart there. Anyway, uh, uh, Jonathan, oh with, with the, I was about to do it again, Joseph Gordon Lovett, like <laughs> fucking like Ewok gear as the lead or something. something. Like Man, he needs to show up in a Star Wars movie. He anyway. will if it's right, Johnson, if there's any oh. justice in the world. Yeah, Finding Nemo is all doo doo doo. Yeah. <laughs> You're, you're not wrong. Like I said, I mean, how much sense? Anyway, so Shawshank Redemption. Here's you you're watching The Green Mile came on. So The Green Mile came yeah. on as part of this Shawshank Redemption. So here's all I know about The Green Mile. This is all isn't it you like, know is what I knew. Isn't it like the most magical Negro, magical Negro movie it of all time? It might as well be called Magical Negro Carved in Stone, 30 foot tall letters. Because it is like fucking Michael, Dark, Dark, Michael Clark Duncan. Michael yeah. Dark Clunkin. Michael Dark Clunkin? That's my murder robot. <laughs> Dark Clunkin. 
<laughs> I just imagine robot penis <laughs> fucking someone in the butt. Okay, anyway. Clanking sounds Anyway, so he, isn't he like, isn't he a guard or something? No, he's a prisoner. Okay. He's a magical Negro prisoner uh-huh. who is the most obviously innocent person anyone's ever been in <laughs> sure. a penal system. <laughs> sure. No, yeah, so it takes place in the 1930s. Tom Hanks yeah. is a... Uh, He's a prison guard. Oh, yeah. Not even not only is he a prison guard, but he's in charge of the team of the guards in this prison who uh, manage all everyone in death row. Okay. And so Michael Clark Duncan, it's like 1930s Louisiana. He's been jailed because he's been uh, he's he's been accused and convicted of raping and killing two teen, two two little white girls or something like that. So he comes in. And Tom Cruise has his dick hurt. His dick on fire. Tom Cruise? No, Tom Cruise. Well, Tom Cruise. This <laughs> Tom Hanks. Secret. Oh, I spoiled, I spoiled that surprise. No, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, he got magic fire penis. He got bladder infection. Okay. So Michael Dark Clark Duncan is all like, boss, I can heal your penis. Put your penis in my high end. And he does. And Matt, that's how he ties out boss. And then he fixes a penis. And then suddenly Tom Hanks realized he got magic. And then the magic guy, he fixes a mouse, and they fry his ass, and then the movie ends. <laughs> that is the green mile. <laughs> Michael Clark Duncan, don't make it out. He's no Andy Dufresne. There's no Tom Hanks and, and fucking Andrew Clark Duncan hanging up by the side of the ocean of Fiji going, I did see that ocean. It's blue as my memory. That's also my impression. What was it, Mark Freeman? What are we talking about again? So you're saying the Green Mile versus the Shawshank Redemption. Green Mile is weird magic bullshit. Yeah, yeah magical Negro, literally magic, and like, so he can heal people. And not only does he heal people, but when he heals someone, he spits out bees out of his mouth, or f- cornflakes, or some kind of ass shit comes flying out of his mouth, and it's the worst CGI. <laughs> At least the Shawshank Redemption, it's a movie that can have really kind of been made any time. It's yes. kind of a timeless movie. Yeah. Uh, there's so much bad CGI from all the healing magic stuff. Sure. In the Green Mile. Everything else aside from the magic Negro stuff and everything yeah. else aside the movies are already kind of weird. That alone is like, man, this movie was made in 1997. You can tell. <laughs> uh, but that's, that's not bad. But it got me thinking about why everyone loves the Shawshank Redemption so much and no one gives a shit about the Green Mile. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there's a big difference between this story of magical realism yeah, it's, and it's, the man who... Dies. I guess it is about inner power with the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's about the indomitable human spirit and the triumph of righteousness despite, you know, yeah. corruption. But they're both about, you know, prisons in, like, you know, mid-century America, kind sure. of southern stuff. I don't know. It's but it's like southern. the themes are totally, like, the, the, the emotional but it's, still, it's a bunch of, 90% of both movies are guards sitting in a prison with do-do-do you know why everybody loves the Shawshank Redemption? It's that fucking scene where he cr- literally crawls to the sewer and he's out in the river in the rain, oh, staring man. up into the Watching sky. Watching the TV edit of this shit too is extra. <laughs> like, and uh, then it cuts to commercial for Pampers. What the like? And in a frame, he crawled through a river of. <laughs> and he came out clean on the other side. Oh, like, that kind of loses a little bit. If you don't, <laughs> he crawled to a river of poop. What did they think they were? Pampers. You won't have to crawl through. You don't clean that up. If he had some pampers with him, it wouldn't have been so much a problem. But yeah, it's just got me thinking of yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah, I mean, it's still. It's, it's like know, it's 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 retarded Josh 
Jake. That's all it really is. It's kind of like Bill. this messed up little brother. Oh, Bill. So uh. the only other thing I did this week really was um the new, uh the final uh complete Broken Age came out. Um... I, I, though I did back it on Kickstarter. How much do you love it? I, though I did back it on Kickstarter, I did go ahead and get it on the PS4 because it's been, you know, I, I played the first part. And at the time, you can go back on this very podcast, I was pretty critical of it because it felt very much so like what it was, which was like a mad lib adventure game. Because what I really like about adventure yeah. games is a sense of being in a world and in a place with characters who are part of that place. Like, that's why I love Full Throttle. That's why I love Grim Fandango. That's why I love Psychonauts. It's like, as fantastic as those worlds and places are, they feel like a real lived place. Mm-hmm. As opposed Even if they're to... fantastical, but at least there's some kind of internal consistency. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas Broken Age was um, part of the crowdfunding thing. They also kind of crowdsourced the concepts sort of, and they asked backers to contribute ideas. Mm. So there's a lot of random shit in the game, and I was really cynical about it the first time I played it, and I did not enjoy it particularly. But this time playing through, I'm really having a good time. I'm accepting okay. it more in face value. What it is is like, which is tonally, it's supposed to be a little more like a fairy tale. Yeah. And once if you go in kind of expecting that a little bit, it's um, a really, it is a fun little game. Well, I'd imagine, too, if you already kind of vaguely remember some of, some of the, the answers to some of the puzzles oh, are, sure. you can more more where you're just about navigating the environment rather yeah. than, oh my god, I'm totally stuck here. Yeah, I, um, I was able to get through all of the first act with, or like part one again, mm-hmm. without much difficulty okay, because yeah. not, I don't oh, actively you, remember. You're, you're already really good at adventure games, it is because you grew up on these. I games. speak the vernacular, so I know you pick well, up every me. item, you yeah. use every item and every person to see what happens, also to hear what whatever dialogue was written for it because there's usually something for every variable and it's pretty funny usually. And, um, well, how far into the second half did you get? I'm pretty, I'm pretty decent in, and I finally hit two puzzles where I was like, "Go fuck yourself." Well, you see this thing where, uh, was it Polygon or somebody had an article where they were talking about if you get, it's it's actually misleading because I think it's with the girl. She'll be at a certain sport part where you you get stuck, and she uh-huh. says, "Whatever I need." I have to, it must be in this room. And yeah. It turns out whatever the solution to the puzzle is, is not in that room. <laughs> with Shay, with the boy, yeah. his his little vocal clues are yeah. a little more, like, straightforward. Yeah. But, like, they said it's actually, like, intentionally misleading with yeah. with Vela, which yeah. are, I saw a couple people along. I, well, the, the reception in general of the second half seemed to be not totally negative, but a lot of people being like, well, this is just pure puzzle, not a much, lot of character stuff. See, I, what's interesting is that I wonder how many of those people played the two parts separately because the game really I mean playing it it is designed to be played as That's a whole. That's because these people were reviewing it. I guess it was only available yeah. as the second separate second uh, half. Because even yeah. Justin McElroy he came out and said I really did not like this but if I had a chance to go back and replay both of these merged together that would yeah. have helped a lot just to get back into that world. Under exactly. Also yeah. just a lot of the clues. Yeah. Uh, I guess the yeah. first half sets up. Well there because, are, well, there are... Point out, this is not like the second even though it's being like positioned as the second act of Broken Age it's really just the second half. Yeah. This is obviously designed that should have been played in conjecture yeah. in conjunction with the first half. The um there are there are things that are set up in the first act that yeah. are solutions to puzzles that don't happen in the second. That's exactly until that's the what second they're one. saying. Yeah. So and also, frankly, the game literally becomes a mirrored narrative. Mm-hmm. I can say this without spoiling anything. The there it's been it's, a fucking it's year. Two, yeah. It's two worlds, right? And at the end of uh you have Shay who's in this spacey place, and then you have Vela who's in this kind of like coastal area with all these little towns. And um, at the end of act one, they switch. 
and they switch which environment they're in. So the game is all mirrored, and it's all these mirrored experiences too. And you see how people have changed from it's from like, in over the passage of time. Yeah. And even though it's all, it's literally like it's like Back to the Future two after Back <laughs> to the Future one, it's the same thing but different. Yeah, but it, so it's and a, and some of the puzzles are a little mirrored too. And okay. it's just um, it's really designed to be played. I, I'm I'm glad I'm playing it like this. I wanted to play it in the living room so I could play it with my wife. And frankly, I stare at a screen for nine hours a day for my job and I don't want to sit at a computer I've seen for, some people don't night. understand the difference between getting away from your computer and watching something on because so I've seen some people like well, you're still, still staring at a screen what does it matter there's a difference between being at your workspace and your work mentality yeah. and just actually being in front of the TV and hanging out drinking a yeah. beer or whatever like well, exactly yeah. I fucking love playing games on a console and I'll choose it every time so I'm glad that this forced me to play it again from the start because uh-huh. the game is I am enjoying it so much and I keep thinking I'm like man this would not have been like this writing is very much so alluding to prior actions like it's all designed to be of a whole and it there were thing it just would have fallen flat had i played it that's that what eyes. seems what have happened to a lot of reviewers so like, having know. said that i'm really enjoying it it's a fucking gorgeous game that is the most positive reaction i've seen to this compared to anyone even other people i've seen online who have who jumped back to the beginning and started playing again or like a lot of people are disappointed that like there's not a lot of character stuff it's all just like really obtuse puzzle stuff it's kind of the worst parts of those games at least come what that's at least as I have a lot hit, of pu- other people are describing it. But. I have hit one puzzle so far. Granted, I'm not done with it yet, so maybe yeah. next week I'll come and be like, fuck that game! I have hit one puzzle that was so obtuse that I... And it wasn't that it was obtuse, it was genuinely that I, I was supposed to offer this one object to every character in the world so that one would randomly react in such a what? way. I will just say this, when you have your cupcake, offer it to everybody, because the person who interact, I knew what had to happen, I hate this in adventure games, and I'm like, I know what I need to have happen. I just don't know how to cause it to happen. That yeah. happened to me twice playing part two, and I wanted to both. In one case, I couldn't figure it out, and I had to, I looked it up, and then I later found Man. organic clues that would have clued me in had I been a little more patient. This other case, I can't tell. Like It was genuinely that you have to offer a cupcake to everyone, and one person does what you need it to do. Like, Fuck. I might wait until there's more of a guide for the second half of this game and when I get into the mood to play it. Sure. Just to me. I, you, you're not a big fan for this kind of game, though. I, well, I didn't really cry. Like, my, the first PC game I ever played was Leisure Suit Larry. I played the first couple yeah. of those, so it's not like I haven't played old school adventure well, games. Well, sure, I'm not there's saying that. even super hostile. Well, I'm not saying that there was a rebuttal to you or anything. No, no. So at least I understand, like, the logic that kind of goes into these games. Yeah. Part of me is like... Also, fuck that shit. Because I played a little bit of that once a long time ago, yeah. and I know adventure games have evolved since then. Yeah. Even if it's just like Telltale and stuff, and yeah. part of me is just like, well, man, I have to be in a very specific exactly. mood to want to go back into that headspace. There, the thing about Telltale that I really like is that Telltale took the evolution of the adventure game and kind of stripped out a lot of the puzzles mm-hmm. and focused so much on the narrative and the characters that there are still puzzles, but they're so primitive that you're never going to get stuck. Mm-hmm. You are never going to get stuck in a Telltale game. It is just not how they're designed. Yeah. As a opposed to like more traditional adventure games are designed where sometimes you do get stuck and you should it's part of the experience yeah. and you have to think about it figure it out the nice thing about broken age is that they do the thing that um you have in day of the tentacle where if you get stuck on one character you switch to the other and in fact there are you or should me the option of switching together and kind of getting some distance and you know 
And in fact, there are some puzzles in this game that you can only solve by switching between the two narratives. Yeah. Like the the one part, the the one of the two instances where I was stuck and I had to look up the solution, if I had switched to the other character, I would have gotten the context clues oh, okay. to um that would have allowed me to to progress. Has there so. ever been another adventure game that had the kind of like the split narrative like this? Because I love the idea of having two branching paths that can inform each other. Yeah. But it sucks if you don't know when sometimes you're supposed to like go check out the other branch just to see what's going on in your branch to get yeah. clues and stuff. There, I feel like there have been... The the trick is being able to dynamically switch. Yeah, because I feel like there have been there are, there have been adventure games other than Day of the Tentacle with multiple protagonists. Like there are some Gabriel Knight games where you get to play as Grace, his assistant, okay, yeah. and like, um, uh, and like Tal- Tales from the Borderlands does a great job of you switch between the two protagonists. But there are plot points where you switch it. It's okay. not like a dynamic choice sort of thing. Oh, really? You can't just so. walk back and forth on a whim. No. Oh, whereas so in I was Broken thinking Age, at least in like Maniac Mansion. Like, well, you could always swap between the kids. Or in Broken Age, you can. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm saying can. in okay, Tales yeah. of the Borderlands or those Gabriel Knight games. Oh, you can't. Can like, this is just a narrative. Yeah. yeah this is You'll Maniac change Mansion. characters, but not, you're not switching back and forth between characters. On, yeah. yeah. And that is true. Maniac Willy Mansion Gilly. does it. I don't know it is Day of the Tentacle because Day of the Tentacle is what I played. Yeah. I never played Maniac Mansion. So, anyway, I'm, I am enjoying it. And it is a fucking gorgeous game. The score is phenomenal. Yeah. And it is taking Aww. me back to my, my earlier... Like, you. like I said, this is the most positive reaction I've heard from, about that I highly recommend it like i understand that adventure games are not for everyone but it's just so beautiful and it's so nice to be in a game where i just have to puzzle shit out as opposed to fucking shoot shit and yeah. this is like the perfect palette cleanser i needed i kind of forgot this was coming up so i kind of you know i hadn't been looking forward to it or anything like broken angels just accepting that someday it would happen and you know but uh, anyway, uh, I'm I'm high. I do not regret backing it on Kickstarter, and I do not regret buying it again on PS4. That's super cool. So, anyway, Bill, tell me about Star Wars X-wing slash Card Trader. Oh man, so good old games finally came out with the Mac version of X-wing and Tie Fighter. Oh, this week. I don't know. So have you ever touched those? Uh-uh. I know you don't care much for like flight simulator games, but yeah, those were like eight bucks a piece, and yeah, I was waiting for the Mac version, because that's what I have, Mm -hmm. and man, like, I never, I didn't grow up with TIE Fighter, but I did play a lot of X-Wing back in the day, Uh, really, like, my first three PC games, not that I've ever played a whole bunch, but like, um, the first PC games I ever played was uh, Leisure Suit Larry, Uh Wolfenstein 3D, and shitload of (laughs) X-Wing, and my computer, I don't think we had a sound card in our computer, so never even had sound, so running this version of the game, where it's got like a little tinny, like, little... Well, MIDI score, and like little fake, like 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 R two D two chirps and stuff. I was like, oh my god, this is like what I remember. But like, it's got sound; it's even better. But just like running around like the menus of an old game that I haven't touched in yeah, twenty thirty years. Yeah, you have twenty five years because that would have been like nineteen eighty, like whenever X Wing came out. That's when I first played that shit. Yeah. So just like yeah, just like seeing those graphics and not yeah again not even with the sound, but just like being in that environment again, like on like 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 little JPEG, you know, the ship stuff and it's, yeah. it's just like oh man yeah it was a total blast of the past it was yeah i had uh, apparently this week was the 20th anniversary <coughs> excuse me the 20th anniversary of full throttle mm-hmm. and uh jake rodkin had tweeted um a live performance of the band uh the gone jackals who did a lot of music and full throttle that's fucking great yeah and Aww. so i was listening to that this week and it was so Aww. funny because i was like damn i feel i'm, I'm sitting in my parents bedroom on ago. the computer yeah playing that fucking video game 
old, old and fat. We shouldn't just change the name of this podcast. To old, old and fat. fat. <laughs> so yeah, that and well, the other new thing that came out was uh, there's the card trading game for the like any kind of portable device, iOS, yeah. Android, and shit like that. Where it is, you're just trading for uh, like bubblegum cards with other people. <laughs> I, I was a little bummed because I thought like they would have all the old Star Wars cards scanned in, and that would be some of the cards you'd be trading. Instead, they're like fake, brand new digital cards. Mm. Although uh, one of the chief things that everyone's running after trying to collect are they have those uh, Force Awakens retro cards that are done oh, up to look like yeah. the old Star Wars cards from like 1977. Uh-huh. I did manage to collect all of those. And by collecting those, I pretty much, I feel like to me, I've, I've beaten the that game. That was the win state. But yeah. it's one of those things where like you can like buy new cards with credits. But sure. of course you like, you're only, you, they give you a little, a uh, couple credits every day. But really like, you know, it's like, hey, if you spend five bucks though, you get a thousand credits. Yeah. Instead of having to wait until your new allotment tomorrow. Yeah. And so I've got a whole bunch of cards in there. I've done a couple trades with people. But yeah. like, it's just a weird, I like the idea of there being like a, like a bubblegum card trading game. Yeah. It's not even a game. There's not like any rules or anything like yeah. that. You just, it's a social media. There's a whole social media feed. And like I said, you could buy stuff, but then there's the only other part of the game is like, there's a little market where you could just offer like, I have three silver Boba Fetts. If anyone wants, I would like a new uh, BB-8 card, please. Yeah. And so like making trades like that. And somebody got really upset at me because there was something where I had gotten like a gold Darth Vader. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I got gold Darth Vader. Who wants to give me some Force Awakens cards? Yeah. And someone made me a good, uh, what I thought was a pretty good uh, trade. And so I took him up on that. And someone else came in like, why? I offered you cards. Why did you take me up on that? Got really salty. Not like angry, but like really sad. Yeah. Like I, I, offered, I took his trade before you even made an offer to me. I yeah. So you're trading. It was also, he wasn't offering a very good trade. Oh, drama. There's like one card and this other guy got like three Force Awakens cards. <laughs> it's like, well, it's okay. I don't know if you're four or if you're crazy. But like, calm down. It's We're okay. Both. I'm sure you can get a gold Darth Vader from someone else. <laughs> So that was oh, my no. experience of Star Wars card trading. I think I'm pretty much done. <laughs> that was one week of playing that. Like, like I said, it's not even a game. It's like a social yeah. media card trading app That's thing. That's weird. It's like social media turned into uh like money making engine for the for tops. Yeah, yeah. Because like you said, they they just want you to like to get like the rare cards. You can like if you spend real money on these cards, you can get them right now. And it's just like, oh, and that's so weird to me. That does, just does not appeal to me. And they, so they have cards of all the different Star Wars characters. Mm-hmm. I forgot how many Star Wars characters these days are from the prequels. Yeah. See, now I'm looking at half the show. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Who is that? I was like, about to say fucking Gungan did. <laughs> <It's just> not- <laughs> no, but then I'm like cards of like all the Gungan characters who I didn't yeah. have names. I know yeah. there was fucking, what's his face? Jar Jar? There's Jar Jar and there's then there's the fat guy. guy. <laughs> yeah, the but no, the card said like, you're like, here, collect all 25 named Gungans from the background of the Phantom Medicine. I'm like, oh my god. No. And then it hit me up for money so I can buy those cards. Like, get the fuck, fuck out of here, Tops. Fuck you. Give me the BB-8. Give me the fucking Kylo Ren. Give me the new Millennium Falcon. I'll get the fuck out of here. So yeah, I did that. Um, and the last thing, uh, I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to have a dinner. Not even a dinner. I'm going to have people over on Saturday night to watch The Road Warrior. Yeah! And we're going to eat shit out of cans. <laughs> Granted, it's going to be at 7 o'clock, so I'm assuming most people have eaten dinner sure, by then. Sure. But if you want to hang out and watch The Road Warrior... Bill, are you going to take the label off something and make a dinky dog can? I was bummed. I thought Dinky Doo was like a real dog food brand. No, it turns out it's a fake brand they made up for The Road Warrior. You have to be so able to find a high-res copy of that label somewhere if alive, not, I can make one. <laughs> Do you think I can draw one? <laughs> the terrible thing is, I really want to try some dog food. <laughs> well, 
Even if it's just a bite. I had dog food when I was a little girl. I had I, no. I, I think I had a dog treat. Like I was like See, a little bone a treat. Thing, like, I was a like, like because it's just gonna be kind of like. And a, it was not interesting. Dog food is a different. Thing. I did not. Dog, eat, I've wet, never dog eaten food? wet dog food though. What I want to do, I should get a whole bunch of canned food, mix in there just one thing of dog food. <laughs> Mi- label everything as Dinky D, and whoever gets the Dinky D has to at least taste it. <laughs> Then everyone else was like, they're like, oh my god, thank god I just got the Progresso chicken soup. My oh. favorite dinner is one that involves a dare, so good <laughs> job, Bill. Uh, what's, if you had to eat any kind of like food out of straight out of a can without heating it, what would it be? Is there like any kind of soup or anything? Like condensed soup? Any fucking green? Uh, canned peas. Canned? Green peas. Oh, I didn't even think about canned vegetables. That's the healthy yeah. option. Green peas. Actually, canned corn is good. Green, yeah, green. See, there are some things I'm just like, yeah, I would eat, I would eat peas out of a can. Peas? Peas, yeah. <sighs> so last week... Didn't ha- I was running little groceries. Yeah. One of the last things I had left in my cupboard was a can of peas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought myself. Why am I expecting this to have a scatological? <laughs> no, not even anything bad. It's not like I shot baby shit for two weeks or anything afterward. But I sat down and said, you know what? I'm gonna have peas for dinner. Yeah. Canned peas. Yeah. Peas oh are good. God. They don't even taste bad. Just the mushiness. Mm-hmm. It's just you get a spoonful out of your mouth. You really does. Feels like you're eating baby shit. Cause it's just like, just the texture. It's like I've had. I'll, I'm fine with peas as something like you know, like like sure, like, like fucking tuna salad or something. Sure. Peas are fine. Like even as a side dish with the rest of the meal, if you have something, so not every bite is just peas. Yeah. But man, yeah, that's just rough. peas. Just peas. <laughs> There should be a brand I, of peas right there. Just, just fucking peas. peas. Just Don't fucking expect peas. no fucking like cute corn. No fucking little like fucking pearl onions. Nope. Just peas. Man, you're crazy. <laughs> I'm gonna pick up a can of peas for you. <laughs> We're gonna take a break and we'll be back for the Geek Week in review. Ugh. Blowjob sounds from? Weren't you watching something where someone was making blowjob sounds when they were oh, kissing? Uh, Angel, fucking Buffy and Angel. Whenever Buffy and Angel made out, they, they made blowjob sounds. I did not sounds never. I did never use the phrase blowjob sounds. There was something I was watching something. Where but they someone... do have like the most. It's all like. Whenever they make out. Soft blow. Was it Game of Thrones? I was watching Game of Thrones with somebody, and somebody got really squicked out at the blowjob sounds in one of the scenes because it's just off camera. Just... Oh, you mean actual blowjob sounds? Could have been that one. They pretty much. <laughs> They're pretty much one and the same thing, uh, really. This but. is the worst podcast in the world. Hey, everybody, believe it or not, this is the part of our podcast where we do the Geek Week in Review. This is uh, news from the week that was that Bill has written that I'm reading for the first time. So let's go on this journey together, shall we? Get ready for Forest Friday, September 4th, the day Disney officially starts unleashing shit. Shit, oh, excuse me. Shit tons, <laughs> excuse me, of the Force Awakens bullshit on the general public more than three months before the movie itself hits. You know what? I was wondering because I actually had to go, had to go look back because I knew they unleashed a whole bunch of merchandise before The Phantom Menace came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, before that, like weeks, be- at least weeks before that movie came out. Because I remember everyone getting upset because the soundtrack came out weeks before the movie did. Which, yeah. who cares? Except uh, one of the title tracks was called, like, The Death of Qui Gon Jinn. Oh, yeah. So then everyone's like, oh. This movie- 
we get for going to buy a movie soundtrack three weeks before the movie comes out. But that was a big deal. Yeah. And so I was like, well, how much further in advance did Phantom Menace shit come out? And that was only less, that was the same month. Like, I think the movie came out like May 28th, mm-hmm. and the merchandise for that came out like May 3rd. So it was only three weeks. Mm-hmm. This is three fucking months. Wow. Which I thought was crazy, but then I realized with Star Wars coming out at Christmas, yeah, toy stuff toy is different Christmas because yeah. like, that's part of the Christmas holiday sale stuff. Yeah. Is like the new toys for that Christmas always come out in September because yep. yep. they, they like that. Yeah, the Christmas toys season does not start start on they gotta get, Black Friday. Exactly, they got to get all the kids so, ramped up for that's it. That's three so. fucking months. Hopefully, gonna, they're very judicious with a lot I'm of spoilers. I'm gonna jump shit. out a window. <laughs> I love Star Wars, but I just kind of want to wander into Star Wars and not know much more than I already know. Well, like I said, I would. And gladly, it's not gonna be an option. I would gladly pay seventy five dollars for a <laughs> ticket to see it right now. <laughs> By myself, yeah. or put myself in a fucking cryo freeze, yeah. pop culture cryo freeze somehow until the day that movie comes out. So I already know too much. I know. And I'm like, I oh, know. come on, man. Ugh. And like, I mean, I'll, I will undoubtedly end up buying a goddamn Black Dude Stormtrooper action figure three months. I'll, I'll get one from Amazon. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna be fucking. We're gonna be talking fucking three months from now, where I'm like, I pre-ordered the new $200 Millennium Falcon. <laughs> But it's still just like, oh man, like that is just gonna be a fall. I haven't put up with like, okay, yep. I want to look at that toy. If you go look looking for new Lego figures at the at the goddamn grocery store, you have like avert oh, your eyes at the Star Wars section. The last, the last Lego Chima sets are about to come out. That's it. Anything you want? Uh, I went ahead. Fully is so supportive of me. She knows I've been having a rough time this weekend. So she let me order one of the sets that is already released in Austria, even though it's not out in America until August. Yeah. So I went ahead so and bought it. it? I'm What's the set? It's this fucking, it's a fucking bear robot set that transforms into a tank. <laughs> And there is just a minifigure head in it that I want. You heard what I said. How much is it? Let's not talk about it. I got it for... You can't BrickLink that? It is. Well, it wasn't BrickLink. It was... It will be... Uh, sold in America for forty dollars MSRP, and I paid about that to have it imported. That's so it's bad. not it's not that bad. But still, I mean, also with shipping and stuff, I'm sure that's is, an extra twenty bucks on top of there. This but. is a slippery slope. No, Robot that was bear. with shipping. Robot, so. bear tank. Robot bear tank. Uh, Josh Trank got kicked off the second Star Wars anthology movie. Good. Now replace him with George Miller. So Josh Trank, he's the guy who directed the found footage superhero movie Chronicle. And he's the guy who directed the new Fantastic Four movie uh, that's coming out. Mm-hmm. Although some people were saying directed in quotes because supposedly he was high as a fucking kite during making that movie. Oh, seriously? At some point withdrew and went into hiding. And the producers had to come in, not only film the rest of this movie, but they're also filming a shit. Half the movie's being reshot. They were still oh, doing resh- reshoots as just as early as just like like late late April, I guess. Oh, Jesus. Supposedly this guy lost his fucking mind. Uh, cost, uh, caused uh, three, was $100,000 worth of damage. Damage to the apartment he was renting oh, while, while filming the Fantastic Four. Just everyone just says he just like the the, the pressure got to him. Maybe. Yeah, the pressure got to him, and he was just acting like mm. a prima donna crazy fucking person. Like it's it's not just him being a prima donna, but like a lot of people from throwing around like he's just actually fucking nuts. Mm. And I don't know if Lucasfilm finally saw Fantastic Four and realized, okay, this maybe this movie's not good enough to justify having us put up with a psychopath like this or what. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's like, he was supposed to show up at the Star Wars Celebration thing last week, but mm-hmm. he was a no-show, and that's why I was like, oh man, he's done. everyone's suspecting that he was going to get booted off after all this fan, fan, Fantastic Four bullshit, yeah. but yeah, so he sounds like mm-hmm. a nutcase, and so he's no longer make a Star Wars movie, although mm-hmm. according to the press release, he just says he just, he wants to do more independent, 
He wants to do something. He d- he doesn't want to be part of cross culture. It's some, some kind of excuse where he just wants to go do his own story. I will believe that after all that shit, having a nervous breakdown and well, I'm sure at this point, yeah, going he's, off like and having he's gonna go real, fucking live in Shady Acres for a little while. He's not gonna be directing a movie. He needs to fucking direct his fucking head into a fucking bucket of cold water. But that's the thing. No one knows what the because he, he was doing the second Star Wars anthology movie. Yeah, not the one, not that Rogue One, but whatever's gonna yeah. be announced after that. Sure, a lot of people are thinking it's like a Boba Fett movie or something. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, well, now that George Miller's gonna have that Mad Max movie, and I was gonna be like, what a beautiful film! George Miller is gonna make three more Mad Max movies. Oh, that's that George Miller's gonna be doing. Well, I've always had this fantasy that like George Miller directing a Star Wars movie would be fucking great. Yeah. I'm still sad that when George Lucas was looking for someone to direct Return of the Jedi, he was looking for someone who wasn't part of the Directors Guild of America, so he's looking for someone international. He was looking for someone who was dirt cheap, mm-hmm. and like if the Road Warrior had come out like just a year or two earlier. I don't see how you not see that movie and go, that guy needs to direct us to Star Wars. He yeah. does dirt cheap. He does action great. Yeah. He, like, like, yeah, he should have. Even if yeah. he was Return of the Jedi, he should make a Star Wars movie someday. He and knows so, practical and CGI. Yeah, especially yeah. now. And so, yeah. I mean, he should be. Well, I mean, he should for work now. on whatever he wants to. He shouldn't yeah. have to. Not at, this is the other thing, too. Like, the man who made Babe should make a Star Wars <laughs> shot a movie called Lorenzo's Oil in Pittsburgh uh-huh. that I found out was being directed by a guy named George Miller. I'm like, oh, that's funny. That's the same guy who made the Mad Max movies. Turns out that was the same guy. Uh-huh. I was like, what the hell is he doing in making a movie called Lorenzo's Oil about, like, these parents trying to get this miraculous, like, oil cure for their kid in Pittsburgh, but that was him. Yeah, and then again, when Babe came out and they're, like, directed by George Miller, I'm like, that must be another George Miller. <laughs> I didn't mean, no, it's the same fucking <laughs> Happy Feet 2 was not called Two Happy Feet. <laughs> I wonder if sometimes that keeps him up at night. Oh, Bill. But, yeah. Phil Lord and Chris Miller confirmed that Sony wants to make a Men in Black <laughs> 21 <laughs> Jump Street crossover. Have you heard about this? So, Phil no. Channing has been running around talking about, we should make 21 Jump Street 3, except be also be Men in Black. And everyone's been like, <laughs> that's, honestly, that's actually kind of brilliant. Someday. I, we recently watched them and they we had my a fucking good time. Yeah. Literally, the point of the op- like every fucking drop street. Well, everyone, so both of them. <laughs> it opens with them going, I don't know, we'll fucking make you do this. And like, that's the punchline at the end so of. So this would be like. Well, like isn't that they show like 22 jump street? Yeah, and they show 23. Yeah, and it's all like culinary school. <laughs> like, all this sort of shit. That would, honestly, that would be. Per, it would really work. Yeah, and Alex Phil Lord and Chris that Miller. It would make, yeah, that would actually be the best Men in Black movie. And because I mean, Men in Black is it is best. Like when it's like the reason why Men in Black two didn't really work, and there was a Men in Black three, wasn't there? That, which I actually Fuck. saw that. It's actually not that bad. See, I, I, what was so enjoyable about Men in Black one was the whole discovery. It was like someone. Yeah, once you're running around in that universe you know, and like the, the edge of the discovery is worn off. Exactly. Yeah. It's like to have Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill. That would be. That would actually did you said Jonah Hill got really fat, good. supposedly? There was a set photo that's something he's shooting now. He's like you and I put together. He's like round. I don't know if it's like makeup or a bodysuit. 
But yeah, no, he's gonna. Men in Black, Twenty One Jump Street movie would actually be that was that is actually a really good idea. <laughs> that if you had to, you need to watch these Jump Street movies and Ooh, you will see why. I thought you'd heard. I thought we had talked no, about this on the podcast before. That is a really good idea. That sounds like it could be even better than the actual Men in Black. Because Men in Black, it, it, at its best, is like fun and funny, and it's not always, but it's at its best when it is, and that would be perfect. Uh, in other news, that they're gonna make a rush hour. Uh, R.I.P.D. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Bill. <laughs> I was about to say, well, what's the third, anyway, third rate version of a Men in Black uh, 21 Jump Street? Also, crossover? a female led 21 Jump Street spinoff is being written by a pair of Broad City writers. So They're there you go. There is a They're female kind of, antagonist in uh, 22 Jump Street who's actually really funny. I wonder if they're giving her her own vehicle. Is that the movie with the kind of the chubby blonde lady? Uh, she like, is a woman who is not shaped like Scarlett Johansson. I guess we can call her Tubby. No, I've seen outtakes of that where, like, it's just her. Because half of these movies are just improv. Yeah. You get a bunch of actors in a room and they're just ripping on each other. Yeah. I saw her half of her just tearing Jonah Hill apart. There's a great she's like, oh yeah, your like, face is like a ham sandwich. It's just her to get <laughs> yeah. in. Yeah. She's like, is she supposed to be like a lot of bad she's, guys like she's a, a, in the movie? She's, a, she's the roommate of Jonah Hill's girlfriend Okay, in the that's movie. what it is. Yeah, because she's all, yeah. <laughs> she, she, I've seen the outtakes and that's funny. She's fucking great. She, she she and Channing Tatum in uh, in to for this movie made a video, uh, a music video called "Dick Grays," about how the Dick Grays should be in the new form of greeting people. It's just <laughs> fucking good. Okay, I I like... can't believe I love the Twenty One Jump Street movies, but I you're do. Really, you're like kind of embarrassed. They're but... really, well, they're bad. I feel about them like I do about uh, fucking Will Ferrell movies, where I'm like, I'm not proud of how much I love them, but they make me so happy. Fine. I do at the end of the day. You know me. I love story movies that are about male friendship like strong ridiculous male friendship like mm-hmm. when you look at my favorite movies that's what they are and that's all the Jump Street movies uh, are they need to remake the, the, the Shawshank Redemption what I'm saying is if Phil Miller and Chris Lord or excuse me Phil Lord and Chris Miller Christ wanted to remake Butch Cassidy and Sunday's Kid I'd be okay with it <laughs> it'd be very different have you been coming up with Lost Man on Earth I guess the season uh, was finale is tonight. It was too sad. I gave up. Oh, yeah, Josh and Bahar have been watching it, so I've been it was like... too oppressive. I it made gets, it four episodes in, and I was like, I It gets less... Uh, needless to say, he is not the last man on Earth. I, I got that far. I got as far as Christian Shaw shows up. No, and I know there are there's other a cast people. of like 20 people on that show I, now. I know, like, well, this I know is totally blown its up. premise by the end of the first season. It's pretty much a small town. There's just no mm-hmm. one out li- seemingly live outside that small town. Yeah. Yeah, so. I, I mean, I love Phil Miller and Chris Lord. I just... There's a sexy black man names. who shows up. I know. One of my coworkers pointed out to me, he's too pretty. I'm like, I can't even imagine putting black? my dick on him. Oh, he's man. too pretty. Oh. Uh, anyway, we're going to continue now. Uh, James Wan, Fast and Furious 7, may cor- direct a Robotech movie. I like to throw it out there because I know people we know like Robotech. I swear to God, if you held a gun to my head, I don't know if I could tell you what Robotech is about other than well, robots. Well, it's confusing because I think what happens, so there's Robotech is actually, I think they took two separate animes from Japan, uh-huh. and it's like Macross and something else and fused them together. Mm-hmm. So even in Japan, there's no such thing as Robotech. Yeah. And I, in fact, they, he may actually not be making Robotech. He may be making like a live action version of one of those. Like I think Macross is the big one. That's one okay. of the big, like yeah. Gundam uh, okay. suits of armor yeah, and shit yeah, like yeah. that. Actually, okay. I can't remember if Gundam and Macross are two separate things. But so, I think it's just interesting to just because, yeah, if you like Mark Robotech, congratulations. You probably get a boner of this. It's interesting. I guess Pacific Rim did well enough that people I guess would make a robot. I mean, it's also just the guy who directed the... Did you see that Fast and Furious 7 is now the fourth biggest movie of all time? Now. No, I did it's not. a billion and a half dollars, literally. Wow. The fourth biggest, like, beating out almost all the Harry Potters, all the Star Wars. Damn. It's like... It's all... That's 
Fast and Furious. <laughs> Technically, it's called Fast 7. It's not even Fast and Furious. What the fuck? And I'm saying, you don't necessarily have to like those movies. You should get to know them because all children will grow up instead of textbooks to be watching Fast and the Furious movies from now on in the future. And that, what a weird fucking series. Uh, you know what? God bless him. God fucking bless him. The Hollywood Reporter's expose about how weirdly all the DC movies are run. There's no one really at the helm aside from a bunch of suits and kind of sort of Zack Snyder, with script development pretty much a throw shit at the wall and see what sticks process, with multiple writers competing against each other on a film. It sounds like a chaotic mess. Yeah. So, yeah, the Hollywood Reporter just wanted to get down to... They were trying to figure out, like, if there's anyone at the helm at DC sure. Marvel stuff. Just, like, like like Marvel has Kevin Feige. He's yeah. the producer who, who makes all the big creative decisions. Like, okay, we should get the, hire this guy for this movie, get this yeah. writer, and, and stuff like that. Yeah, there seems to be no one like that at... at, at I think it's Warner Brothers doing all the all the DC movies, mm-hmm. and they said, yeah, Zack Snyder is the closest kind of creative consultant. But even then, he's not really in charge. He's just kind of they just kind of default to his vision for everything. Sure. But even then, he's mostly just kind of focused on Batman versus Superman, mm-hmm. and so just because like a lot of these characters are going to show up in, I guess the Justice League movie is going to eventually end up doing. Yeah. They kind of consult him, but there's no one really at the steering wheel of like what's going Interesting. on. Interesting. And it's really mostly just suits, just kind of making the kind of the big judgment calls as hmm. to who, sh- who should be hired and fired, all this stuff. And yeah, it just seems like really kind of yeah, they're kind of missing the whole point of the Marvel stuff and how it's run and why it's run so well. It's just a bunch yeah. of suits. Just and it's the same thing at Sony. There's no one really behind the wheel at Sony too, and that's mm-hmm. that's why they're all falling apart. Hmm. That's why you're getting. Ghostbusters the universe, Twenty One Jump Street, un- like yeah. shared cinematic universe, like blah blah blah. And yeah, the best, uh, the best leadership sure. is a benevolent dictator. Kind of need to have that v- creative force. Are there like, any possible DC superhero movies that they that could make that you would care about? I'd go see Wonder Woman if it was good. No, okay. It was like a fun Xena adventure <laughs> sort of thing. thing. I don't think they'd let that person. Like, man, it'd be great if you had actually a fun Wonder Woman. Like, yeah. any, actually, really, at this point, any fun superhero. Movie. Yeah, that's the nice thing again. Ultron funnier than I thought it was gonna be. Yeah. I forgot that Joss Whedon writes funny shit sometimes. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so. That's, that's, there, I guess we don't have a lot to talk about that other than, and it's, it was really is, it was, what's what everyone already assumed yeah. from the way DC kind of runs its movies. Yeah. It's actually Zack Snyder. That, I, the, the difference between Marvel and DC, all you need to know is that they hired Joss Whedon and DC yeah. hired fucking Zack Snyder. <laughs> that's real, not that Joss Whedon is fucking perfect. No, but yeah. Like that, well, but they, they, hired, they hired, like, Joss Whedon, fucking Kenneth Branagh, fucking, Kenneth like... Kenneth is yeah. in the cracks of y'all. I mean, it's just like, they, like, the Edgar Wright they didn't work out, but they, they tried. They had at least hired you know, Edgar Wright. Like they try, they're trying to get actual talent. Like, Zack Snyder is a skilled filmmaker. I will sell that, but it is all his skills are fucking atrocious to me. Uh, I, he, uh, he knows how to make a moving picture. He knows how to make a spectacle. Good. You know what? The best thing Zack Snyder does is his the opening credits for his movies are yeah, the best usually. part of his movies. Usually. Not even yeah. know if that's him or if he has some kind of like like studio that made like writes and directs his like, you know, designs his credit sequences because mm-hmm. like that was the best part of The Watchmen. Yeah. That was the best part of uh the Dawn of the Dead remake that he did. Um those are have I seen any other Zack Snyder I, movies? I, I saw Sucker um, Punch in theaters, but I blocked it out. <laughs> was the opening sequence super awesome? I can't, I can't remember. I still can't believe you saw Sucker Fucking, Punch. I saw does it in theaters. Not, does that not have uh, an unfortunate series of events? <laughs> it does. That's why we went to go see it, actually. Yeah, like Emily Browning. Yeah. I didn't realize that was her because she was fucking smoking hot in that goddamn <laughs> God sn- <laughs> Lemony Snicket movie. When she was like 14 years I old. I know that's... Yeah. <laughs> It's being a heterosexual male sucks sometimes. Because somebody will be 
in eighth grade, and you're like, oh, um, and you're like, oh no, Logically, you know, grass on the field, play a part. Uh, like, yeah. She was hot, and then I found out that was her in that movie, and I was horrified. <laughs> Even worse than my own boner yeah. than what? Is that like if yeah. jerked off she all the time while like, watching Let Me Snick It? She still looks like an 18 year old girl, which is fascinating. She has the, such a striking face. A baby in that movie, not fuckable. <laughs> Netflix is going to make a fucking 13 episode Green Eggs and Ham That's series. I was last night, and he thought I was fucking with him. <laughs> Do you have like the backstory of like the egg, like each egg? Does the egg, does the, does the pig that gets slaughtered that gets turned into the ham have like three episode backstory? Like how do we thirteen episodes of green eggs and ham? Especially because the whole point of the book it's super repetitive, even for a children's book. Let's keep in mind it's... that Netflix also made a show called Scrotal Recall. <laughs> no sorts of Netflix. Choices. The phrase Netflix original is lo- losing its fucking what it sh- what it, it should be it's meaning. Cultural cachet. You know, actually, if you did thirteen episodes, that really was just the guy chasing the other guy for 13 fucking yeah. episodes. Like, no, with no, like, real plot arc. What if it's, it's like, this? The Fugitive? <laughs> <laughs> what, if, what if the last episode of Green Eggs and Hams becomes, like, the most, like... Uh, we have to figure out if he's actually going to eat that shit. It's, like, the most important, like, cultural event of the year. Oh, Watch God. this in a year and be like, damn, Bill, I binged on yeah, Green Eggs and Oh, my God. I want there so to be good. three seasons, at least, of... <laughs> how, how can they fit this into a movie now? Yeah. Thank God they made it 13 episodes because one movie could not contain all of this. Yeah, they would have to cut stuff out to fit I will point out that perhaps we are not the demographic for this, Bill. Okay, so supposedly, I guess, whatever family relative of Ted Geisel, who's still in charge of the state, actually gave the thumbs up for this. Supposedly she's down with it, even though I guess she she tried to make it so that the... What is it? The Cat in the Hat and the Grinch mm-hmm. movies would never get made. Sure. Which kind of makes me sound a little bullshit, because, like, if you're really, like, in control of the Ted Geisel estate, you should have some kind of power to say, no, don't do this. Now, come out now and say, oh, yeah, this other shit we made was terrible, but this will be awesome. I don't know. There are instances where you... Yeah, depending you know, on rights, the rights and stuff like that. Right? Have you legal ever, rights are complicated Have you seen those fuck. two live actors? Have you seen the Grinch? No, they look garish and I know, terrible. People, they have, like, they grew up with... The, we're old enough now that there's people younger than us that grew yeah. up with those, and they were like, like, Ugh. the Grinch is, like, their Christmas story. Ugh. I don't know what anyone's the cat in hat is to anybody. It's it's their fucking <laughs> poochie. But, oh, my God. Uh, anyway. The ukulele Kickstarter made a million... I had to think about that for a second. Duh. I've never said it out loud. Ukulele. Oh. The ukulele I didn't know if you knew what this is, because I didn't know what this made was. Made a million until, like, bucks yesterday. faster than any other game in Kickstarter history. That's the new uh, Banjo-Kazooie game, right? It, so I guess I put out a demo. Well, not a demo, but like a gameplay uh, preview of what it is. Mm-hmm. The music and everything. I'm kind of surprised I'm not being so sued by Microsoft. Yeah. Because it is just fucking Banjo-Kazooie with different shit. Instead of collecting, G- was it Jiggies? I never actually played any of the Banjo-Kazooie games. They're not that bad. Everyone's slagging them now. I still don't think they're that good. The best Banjo-Kazooie game was Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts for the 360. Mm-hmm. I know you always spoke cars. highly of that. That game was fucking awesome! But, like, so in the old games, you had to collect puzzle pieces called mm-hmm. Jiggies, and this one, it's... 
golden uh-huh. piece of paper called pages. <laughs> like, down to that kind of shit. Yeah. It's, it's one animal with another animal on its back. And they're both yeah. being voiced by the same people, designed by the same wow, people. Yeah. It's the same music. And yeah. It's almost exactly the same staff making these two games. But, I mean, that's the easiest to pitch. You market to... Oh, I mean, no, look yeah. at all the well, Kickstarters. Yeah, look how much that, money they made. There's obviously yeah. some kind of demand for this it's shit. It's like you you look at the successful gaming Kickstarters, and it's the people who are like, I made this in the past. You wanted me to make it again. Give me you some money. You know, the people putting money at this thing are the same people for who, like, the, the Grinch Save Christmas. The live-action <laughs> yeah. Grinch Save Christmas is their fucking Christmas story. The only, that's how lacking in fucking taste they are. The only rare game... I can't speak to any of, the, any of this at all, because I have no context for it, but the only rare games I ever played were the Super Nintendo uh, Donkey Kong games. Would you like those? I loved them. I never played a single 3D Rare game, except for a little bit of Viva Pinata. All googly eyes and... It's just... Which is what Donkey Kong was, too. Yeah, did you play Donkey Kong 64? No, I didn't have the access to it. The only game I ever returned for a refund because the game itself was that bad. Not because it was busted. That was back when GameStop would actually let you bring back games within seven days as long as everything was boxed back up. Yeah. Yeah, that was the only time I ever took them up on that because I bought that home and I was just like, what the fuck? It really was just collecting stuff. You're barely fighting anything. I don't know. It was just... Yeah. Not that fighting anything makes sure. you better, but I just realized, and especially that because you had to play five, like five different characters, yeah, you were going through the same spaces having to collect five different collectibles in each uh. world. So like the little like little titty Kong, you had to collect golden titties, <laughs> and then you come back to the same space, and now like there's like Cripple Kong, and you had to mm-hmm. collect little Cripplies. What are the uh-huh. fuck they're called? Like each each character had their own collectibles, and it's like. This game is just designed to waste your fucking time. Yeah. You can tell this game yeah. was like made in a rush and they were just like, well, we don't actually have that much content, but if we make do everything, if we make everyone do everything five times over, it'll seem like a like normal sized game. I was like, fuck this shit. So. Fuck rare platformers. <laughs> All right. You're talking to someone who bought Conquer 64. Actually <laughs> that wow. Was... Well, that was a rare game, wasn't it? Yeah, Conquer's. Well, that Conquer 64 Conquer's, was what it started off Conquer's as. It was a cute game. Bad Fur Day. Was it yeah. a sequel or was that the first one? Conquer's Bad Fur Day. Well, so they were going to come out with a Conquer game that was going to yeah. be a cute plug. That was going to be Conquer 64. Yeah. Got canned, but then it got turned into Conquer's Bad Fur Day. Okay, that's what it was. Which is uh, like fucking... They decided to make it. pissing on people. Yeah. Alternative. I Diddy Kong Racing. That's still one of my all-time... I sure. love some rare stuff, but... Yeah. Ugh. I'm sure you love the uh, Microsoft avatars. Oh, yeah, I know. Which exactly. were yeah. designed, so there you oh, go. Oh, there's rumors that Rare's going to announce something new this summer at E3, which E3's just a month away. Man, it's close. It's coming. Man! Our lives are ending soon. <laughs> I am excited to see whatever they talk about Uncharted, and I am irrationally hopeful that Bethesda's big E3 presser they is got Fallout it. 4. They got it. Come on. They got so many people just, oh. At this it's... point, if they, they, they don't say the word Fallout 4 on that stage, they will be murdered. <laughs> so. I just, I hope, I hope so bad. I just need, I need a Fallout game. I need it. I think about it. I'm like, here's the thing. Like, I'm excited about getting wear- married, but I'm there's so much to it. <laughs> I love I'm married. No, no, no. Let me finish. I can't actually look forward to my wedding because it's so stressful and it's costing so much money Aww. and it's so much work. I'm I'm not dreading is the wrong word, but no, I can't but look is, forward to it. Yeah. And I don't really have anything to anticipate right now. And I'm it's part of my emotional cycle is I work better if I have something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. I have not much to look forward to right now that aren't that doesn't have dread associated to it. I need a Fallout game to look forward to. I need something to be able to what anticipate. If it's a free iOS game. Oh my god. <laughs> What if it's a trading card game? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Uh, you never know. You never know. You never know. Uh, 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 let's see. What else? Konami delisted itself from the New York Stock Exchange. This after yanking PT from PSN and canceling Silent Hill, seemingly without telling anyone. And all the still unexplained Kojima stuff. Looks like Konami is gearing up to leave console gaming altogether. Yeah, it's uh, them delisting themselves to the New York Stock Exchange is not that big of a deal because they're a Japanese company, so most sure. of their stock gets traded on the, the Tokyo Stock Stock Exchange. I just bit my tongue. And uh, so them delisting themselves from the American stock market isn't that huge of a deal. It just means that they're not like really planning on doing much here in the States anytime soon. Yeah. But I guess they're making more money. I guess they do a bunch of pachinko machines in, yeah, in, 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 in Tokyo. And that and gym. They run a whole bunch of gyms in Japan, which that's supposedly really? how they're getting most of their money. And with the cons- console market shrinking, they're making less and less money. And people pointed out, like, like last year they only actually published two games... This year, they haven't published anything yet, hmm. compared to just like four or five years ago, where they were yeah. regularly pu- putting out something at least every yeah. month, and now it's becoming a semi-annual thing, and this year, this, yeah. who knows what the fuck they're going to put out, so it does sound like they haven't officially announced it, but yeah, this is, and it's Konami, it's one of the biggest, yeah, I, I mean, mean they were, is... they were one of the, they've been one of the pillars of the gaming industry since Nintendo revived the gaming industry 30 years yeah. ago. I mean, this is the changing nature of games. The games games yeah. cost too damn much to make. And Capcom's kind of falling the same way, where like all their shit's kind of drying up, and they're yeah. like driving away all their creators. We're seeing I, we're seeing like AAA games collapsing under the weight of itself. And this is one of the first big snaps. Yeah, yeah, of, of, yeah. And so that's that's yeah. So not that Konami's um, put out anything interesting in the last couple of years. Sure, but yeah. Um, speaking of Konami, there's rumor that ex-Castlevania designer Koji Igarashi may debut a Kickstarter for a Castlevania spiritual successor on Monday. Yeah, so I guess it looked like they were, somebody was, was gearing up to unveil a Kickstarter for a Castlevania-style game, like, last September, but it Mm -hmm. got stopped at the last second. Hmm. But now, like, a whole bunch of stuff on gaming forums around the... Uh, internet has popped up saying, oh, something's going to happen this week. Better watch out. Like, mm-hmm. I guess an image got leaked uh, back in September that was like, had a bunch of Castlevania t- t- style stuff on it with a bunch of runes. Hmm. And then someone came up, uh, like, all, all these message boards online, like, like with some kind of cipher for those runes. And mm. if you, like, use the cipher on the runes in this, in this picture, it says, like, May 4th, there's going to be some new fake Castlevania or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's assuming tomorrow there's going to be some kind of Kickstarter. Yeah. No, it specifically says, what a, May 4th, what a, what a wonderful night to have a Kickstarter or something <laughs> like that. It sounds like some kind of yeah. weird Castlevania reference, yeah. but it's just like really kind of stilted and translated from Japanese, but sure. it's some kind of weird like, so it sounds like something may be going on. Huh. So... And that's Capcom, you know, the, their head guys who made Cat, Cat like who yeah. made a Mega Man. He left, and now he's got that Mighty Number no. Nine thing. Yeah. And it sounds like this is maybe exactly what that's going to be. So. Yeah. It's interesting because Kickstarter. It's curious how many developers are turning to Kickstarter. But I'm wondering, like, like I keep thinking, I don't know if Double Fine would ever do another Kickstarter. They got like, so I feel much. They got so much cash. shit. Yeah. Yeah. And like they, granted, they were really public about all of it. Like you can they literally watch a documentary about, yeah. about every single step. But it's like I wonder about these developers like what is the next step after they finish the kickstarted game yeah you know it's like uh, it turn into a, like a new franchise and you yeah. say we'll, we'll just do the next one but hopefully was it made obsidian me- who like before one or was it like one of the former black isle or black isle spinoff studios they did a second kickstarter before their first game was even released because yeah, they're exactly, like yeah we the first crew cycled out of their stuff we need to get the next crew going yeah. so it's like you know it's just 
interesting to see Kickstarter's what... Kickstarter's not a solution. It can help you. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that's what it is. That's the name of the, the goddamn thing. It's kickstarting kick something, yeah. but not supposed to be a lifeline for you to keep on existing. On. Yeah. Yeah. It's just interesting to see what how this evolves and how it changes. Yeah. You know? Because when you, you can't go back to that font, necessarily. Well, that's the thing, too. With like, Everyone's just, like, they're making this Banjo-Kazooie game, and they've made, like, I think 150... Like, I think they've made, like, a million, million and a half pounds, because I yeah. guess the Kickstarter is based in the UK. Mm-hmm. Which American in American dollars, so that's like nine million dollars or whatever. But still, <laughs> Tim Schafer he admitted that like making Psychonauts like yeah. ten years ago that yeah. cost like what three or four million dollars. Yeah, and so and that was ten years ago. Yeah. Taking inflation into consideration, that yeah, to make Psychonauts now would take better part of ten million dollars. I think he said it would take twenty million. Yeah, to make and Psychonauts so. Too. I don't know what kind of scale game they're going to be able to make with this fucking Julie yeah. bullshit. Well, I think really it's like with that with this sort of that sort of game experience, you'd have to take the Kickstarter money as seed money. You really to do. develop like a, a vertical slice and then get actual because just to make another Banjo Kazooie, which is essentially what they're trying to do. Yeah, yeah. This like even if they make like walk away from this with like four or five million dollars at best, yeah, that's still just a fraction of what they actually need to get yeah. done. Yeah, and they've already filled up all their 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 like fucking stretch goals and everything like that and yeah. well it's uh, emily rogers she's a, a games person i follow online who she writes a lot of articles and she does a lot of like gaming industry analysis and she's really pointed out that like those guys are smart if they're gonna have any more scratch scratch uh, stretch goals for this uh fucking ukulele game that it should just be to get more people on that development staff to guarantee yeah the people just to produce everything they're going to need to make this fucking three-dimensional world yeah and that should be the only real stretch goal from now instead of like more posters and pins it's just help us just get more people to make this goddamn game yeah or at least you know fill up the coffers but like yeah you can't like like yeah well people stretch goal themselves to death yeah like you know you wind up promising and promising and promising just to get more money it's like fucking Peter Molyneux like all over again it's like you promise the moon because that's the only way you can get the money or they fuck themselves up by letting the fact that their Kickstarter was so successful say okay well now we can make like three times the game we originally wanted to yeah what you really I mean that's kind of the thing that what happened to Double Fine because if the the, the scope of that game had stayed what they originally were thinking they could have knocked that game out in a heartbeat well, relatively. I mean, it still yeah. would have been taken a while to put together and stuff. If the but they decided game... to do more. They decided to do a bigger, meatier thing, which took to be more expensive yeah. than they thought, and yeah. it just like it's feature creep, but on a whole project-wide scale. Of, yeah. and it became unmanageable. If they had, if they had made the game that they originally budgeted, it would be like a, it would be like a fucking what is the name of the game maker studio program? Like it would be and that. They would have been shot dead the in the street. People would have been like, what the fuck? And that's that's a problem you have to live up, especially when you have so, uh, so super successful Kickstarter like this. You have to live up to people's expectations because they think, oh, now you got three million dollars, and now they you, think, oh, I now you're gonna you. make a big yeah, sixty dollars. That's my money, and so they don't understand what three million dollars actually buys you. Yeah, and then yeah, d- like it seems like Double Fine kind of tripped themselves up, kind of trying to living up to those bloated expectations yeah. to what that adventure game was going to be, which yeah. is funny because the final game is still pretty slim for what it's doing. Like, you look at it and it looks like an expensive no, game. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it got pressure, but I'm just saying it's not like it's got production values out the ass. But there are other indie, like there are other games on like PSN and everything that like mm-hmm. about the same production value, like Children of Light or what the fuck that. Which was fucking... a Ubisoft game, which I guarantee costs more than three million dollars. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. But that's yeah. such what they produce. But people think yeah. that like you know you get three million dollars for a game now you can yeah. produce Banjo Kazooie three. No. Like, you could, like, yeah, no, that's, that's... It was all the Ouya money. The Ouya exclusivity money that really got <laughs> yeah, me exactly, going. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. Uh, so, oh, thank God. It, I've never done a Kickstarter. People still tell me I should do Kickstarter stuff, and I'm just like, no. It's just, it's just, you're, 
It's it's good if you're re- realistic in your expectations and in your promises. Yeah. It's like one of the things I like is that I feel like a lot of the comics Kickstarters have been doing shit where it's like rather than doing true stretch goals where they have to produce more content, where they're just like, for example, for an anthology, they'll say, great, when we have these stretch goals, we'll be able to pay our artists more. Yeah. And like have that shit as your stretch goals as opposed to a new set of prints and like, you, just you get, know, you, you just, more it, fulfillment. You just make and, it easier to guarantee that like what you're doing is going to be at least, it, you're just... It's insurance to make sure that what you're what you're saying you can produce will be produced. That's really yeah. what you what you need. Yeah. yeah. Instead of yeah, instead of adding more work than you anticipated on your the shit you're doing. Exactly, because making shit is hard, and making shit when people are staring at you, tapping on their watch, is even harder. Uh-huh. And that's that's what you're committing to when you do a Kickstarter. That's the thing. Like, like I guess this ukulele game is supposed to be coming out next fall, and there's no way. No way. You're gonna run out of money, and it's not gonna come out until like 2017. I I have backed a lot of Kickstarters in my time, and I have gotten. One early, and I'm pr- guessing less than four on time. Oh really? Yeah. I think I most I can of the go stuff in and be scientific about it. Stuff. Man, I want to kickstart more physical stuff because I like the idea yeah. of getting something. In the well, mail that is the best made. thing. In fact, I just got in the mail the other day. I was delighted because I got a Kickstarter package from um, uh, 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 Yuko, who's one of my favorite. One of my favorite yeah, web artists, yeah, yeah. Johnny Wander, they kickstarted a book called Cuttings, that is all of her, uh, all of her, their color comics of their comic, her and her um, partner Anant's um, comics from Johnny Wander, uh, their web comic, mm-hmm. uh, in a beautiful collected hardcover volume. It's just gorgeously produced. It's really, really nice. But the best part of kickstarting is that you just get something in your mail, and you're like, oh. I, I bought for this, this a year ago. ago. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, it's the to best me. part. Like the first time it happened, it totally took me by surprise. I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> but the oh, worst, oh. in one case, I got a Kickstarter package a year and a half after most people had said they gotten their things fulfilled. And Ooh. I was like, you can go fuck yourself. Was that anything interesting? It was like, Smut what? Peddler. Oh, really? Yeah, I got that a year and a half later. Was it any good? Oh, it, you know, it's an anthology. It's I got an the anthology digital version comics. of that. It was too much smut. I couldn't digest it. It was like, <laughs> it was just a wall of dicks and pussies. I, and I just... you know, it's anytime, yeah, there's, there, that's just a long time without communication. So, yeah. But yeah, Kickstarter. I'm glad to see Kickstarter did not, like, flame out after a year or two popularity. I'm glad to see it's still a thing. People still do produce yeah, things people with still it. make things with it. I, but... I like Kickstarter, and I like using it as a tool for voting with my dollars. Yeah. And, like, and that's really how I see it. I'm like, I don't ex- assume that everything I Kickstarter is going to happen at all. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, I believe in this cause enough to throw some books their way. Is really kind of how I view it. I, I also kickstart games that I don't want to play and books that I don't want to read. <laughs> Crazy. Just because I'm like, I want this to exist. Like, a friend of mine is kickstarting a card game. Uh, here, I can pitch it. A friend of mine is kick- kickstarting a uh, narrative-based card game called Phoenix. I'm doing a bad job of selling this, Dan. Did you see the Missy Rogers dating game? What is it called? Missy Rogers? There's a dating game where you could be gay, straight, female, and whatever. It's supposed to be like, like essentially like pansexual dating game. No. Where it's like, but it's hosted by some kind of drag queen who's who's your like matchmaker. No, it's my this. first time. Gonna, I, I have backed on. a lot of dating sims in my time. Uh, Man, Annie, you're fucking awesome. I, I am. You. I am very consistently myself, is what I am. Uh, damn, what is the name of this this Kickstarter? Breaking uh, news: Bomb threat clears out GamerGate gathering in Washington D.C. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! I wonder. <laughs> you know what? 
<laughs> my first impulse is to wonder if they they faked it on themselves, which is what if they all think about everything that uh. say, whenever that happens to Sarkeesian. Um, it would be funny if they did. The funny thing is, you know what? Actually, I would not. I I, I sound like those paranoid assholes, but I'm like, well, I would not put that past them. Here we go, and I can do this. Kitty uh, Powers. The uh, it's, it's called Kitty Powers. Okay, I will investigate. Uh, a friend of mine is back doing a Kickstarter for a game called Phoenix Dawn Command, which is a card-based role-playing game. The premise of this game is what happens if when you die you actually become more powerful. So, and it's a, like, a narrative place game with multiple lives. Actually, Are you uh, Rich Ellis and uh, Grace Allison uh, from Periscope are doing the illustrations for it. It look really cool. Oh. And uh, um, yeah, Kitty Powers Matchmaker. That's what I'm looking. Kitty up. Powers Matchmaker. I'll have to look into it. Man, I am. Ha- my brain is is struggling so much lately. I'm having trouble reading, and so I actually downloaded a dating sim that a friend of mine recommended. That friend of the podcast Sid recommended, and I just couldn't get more than ten minutes into it because I'm just like I can't fucking be still with my own brain long enough to read this fucking. Even that's something you do or normally be into. Yeah, like that's the same reason why I played more Pillars of Eternity. That's when you masturbate. That's when I masturbate. I'm too. My brain is too clogged to masturbate, man. I'm yeah. really. My brain is not is not working well right now. Uh, uh, Frito you know, Lay. This will make me feel better. <laughs> Frito Lay debuted Cheeto covered movie theater popcorn this week. That would be delicious <laughs> as fuck. <laughs> well, cheesy popcorn is great in general. Cheesy popcorn is fucking unrealistically good. <laughs> For something you know you're just eating garbage. I know. I'm really like, that. It is literally just flavored salt on top of every piece of popcorn, and it's Cheeto, so good. Cheeto Power is good, but I do not want to sit in a theater where hundreds of people have eaten that shit <laughs> and smeared their hands on the yeah. back of the seats. Just everything is gently dusted with Cheeto dust. Imagine, oh like, imagine like going to the movie theater. And How like, far off do you think we are from Cheeto dust being a garnish at restaurants? Just like something that like, isn't a shaker at all the tables. <laughs> I'm sure that, that'll be at movie theater soon enough. <laughs> I mean, they already kind of, every time we go to Lloyd Center movie theater uh-huh. where I'm going to go see Mad Max, they always, they just offer to sell you little shakers of they like do, yeah. the butter salt and like, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. But yeah, Cheeto branded. Oh, fucking Cheeto dust. I'm just imagining like a salt paper, <laughs> a salt shaker, pepper shaker, Cheeto dust kind of shaker. <laughs> you know what I've always wanted to do? Oh, yes, Phil. Because I grew up eating rock salt. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like the most old man talking. <laughs> I grew up eating rock salt. I loved it. Oh, no, Phil. when I was a kid. So I grew up in Pittsburgh and there was always like snow and rain and ice during the winter. And so they had big boxes of rock salt on all the street corners. Mm-hmm. My bus stop just happened to be on one of the street corners with a big box of rock salt during the winter. And as for a snack, we would grab handfuls of this rock salt to suck on during class at school during the day. Uh Because we were fucking idiots. (laughs) Which kind of freaks me out because originally when we first started doing it, it was clear it was just salt. After a while, they started putting blue dye in it. It was like chemical based. And I realized (laughs) we kept on eating it. eating salt. We were eating like fucking petrochloral chlamyclide or whatever the fuck. So ever since then, I've had quite the salt tooth since then. I think I'd probably damaged my body so I'm like a fucking salt vampire. I was gonna say, well probably now you are less, you are, um, either you have heightened salt sensitivity or perhaps less, so you need a lot of salt. Maybe that's what it is. Like you're you're immune to salt or something? What I want to do! Man, actually the best snack for a movie would be like having just the thing of like steak seasoning. (laughs) Like the steak sauce, but like Jimmy's like steak seasoning or something like that. Just your sure. finger in the wet. <laughs> like pixies. What is that? Yeah. What is it? What is it? Yeah. I want that. Yeah. It's like a candy stick with powder. Just like that. With steak seasoning. Oh, fucking peppercorn. Bill. Bill. Bill.
feel. That's I've uh, never done it, but it's always sounded like a great idea. And like I would like love the idea. I would have like the shaker in the in, in the theater, and people would be like, "Oh, you can sneak some of that on the popcorn." And I just turn them, shake my head, and go, "Nope," and just dip my finger and lick it. They're like, "Oh my god, Bill's gonna die during this movie." I'm gonna do that for Mac. I'm gonna sneak in like a dog food and season it with fucking steak seasoning. God, Bill. And other news, Ben E. King died this week. No way. I honestly thought he'd been dead for decades. Aw, didn't he do Under the Boardwalk and... I always assumed that was him because it's similar sound, but his big thing is he wrote and Stand sang by Stand me? By Me. Yeah. And didn't he do... He did a bunch of songs. Aww. Google... Well, what the fuck is Wikipedia Ben E. King? Why, according to Google, Stand By Me, Save the Last Dance for Me, very good song. Oh, that's um, a great song. This Magic Moment, Under the Boardwalk, Up on Under the, the roof. roof. Yeah. There goes my baby. Oh, those are all great fucking songs. He died. Really that's no good idea. Song. We could have gone to his house and talked to him. Oh, man. Uh, you know what they say he died from? Eating too much rock salt. <laughs> And Bill did not put this on the notes, but I'm going to go ahead and add it. Uh, this week, free DLC for Dragon Age. What? Um, they're going Aww. to include. They're going to release the Black Emporium, which was my favorite DLC for um, Dragon Age Two. The Black Emporium is a place where you can go that um, you buy black people. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> is a black place Emporium? you go. Let me finish. It is a place you can go to buy really powerful items, but also there is a magic mirror there where you can alter your appearance. In Dragon oh, Age. Yeah, well, yeah. just visually. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Though, um, yeah. In uh, Dragon Age 2, I used it because Dragon Age 2 takes place for the a passage of time. So I used it to age my character and like change their hair because you ch- don't have the same hair over the course of three years. Yeah, and like, yeah. like uh, my male hawk, my dude hawk, uh, like grew a beard and shaved it to a mustache Aww. and like, you know, fucking evolved and changed. So I'm really gender? excited about the Black Emporium. I don't, you couldn't in the in the original game, but who knows? Uh, yeah. Maybe you're gonna, I don't know. But uh, also, they're going to be releasing DLC. Fan favorite character, Isabella, which is a really great character for each time. pirate lady you get right She's the give pirate. Away. <laughs> if you're an idiot, yes, you give her to the car. I didn't play that game, but it just went uh, the tapestry thing when you're setting yeah. up uh, a Dragon Age Inquisition. Do you give away Isabella, yes or no? Isabella will be a playable multiplayer character what? in uh, in the multiplayer DLC. But well, the thing about... Uh, I know. Well, the th- so the premise of the Dragon Age multiplayer is that these are actually missions that you're, the Inquisitor is sending people off on. Oh, okay. And um, so, like, all the table missions and everything like that, the kind of... The, the context is that these are are those missions? Yeah. So they're ever, all the classes and everything are very distinct characters with backstories and names, oh, and yeah. you can. I feel like there are moments in cutscenes where you see them around Skyhold and mm-hmm. Haven and shit. So uh, anyway, they're going to be releasing Isabella, which is really great. They're going to be introducing my favorite character, one of my favorite minor characters from Dragon Age Inquisition, Skywatcher, who is an Adar, uh, not Adar. Um, uh, he's a. Uh, there's a optional area called is it Crestwood which is has zombies and everything and there you meet a tribal dude who's like a member of this cult that's like pre uh, this primitive culture that's like pre Andrastean and uh, he's this guy named Skywalker Skywalker watcher excuse me Skywalker and he kind of has like a just this 
stiffy British accent, and he's he's just you should voice he's an interesting character. And, uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, like he's gonna be a playable bar? character, and then they had an April Fool's joke of this character called Zither, who was a bard who inspired, like, fought with songs. Zither, Zither. named Zither. Bard. That's that's actually and they're and they're actually releasing it as a playable character. <laughs> in addition to, I think, a new multiplayer map and the ability to dr- hunt dragons in multiplayer, which is kind of wow. fun. So these yeah. playable characters, do, do you actually play as them, or are they just like part? You play as them. Your deal member of your party. No, you can you can choose their classes essentially. Okay. So it's gonna be a new rogue class. I don't know what the fucking bard is. I'm presuming oh, say, you're a long distance rogue. And uh Skywatcher will be a um uh heavy. So but he he's a healer too, so that'll be interesting. I would joke that this is like you like I was out, they pulled me back in moment, considering you've never left Dragon Age Inquisition. I never left. I was playing it this like That's yesterday. Yeah. I just yes uh I just the day before this is yesterday. When they pull back in people who have stopped playing. Well, for I stopped on playing end. multiplayer. Yeah, I know, but yeah. Uh, but this will get me back into multiplayer. And uh um I had to play some uh, Dragon Age multiplayer with Maxwell Motley once we have the new I have just maps. started my new game plus on Bloodborne. Yeah. After investing about a hundred hours in my first playthrough. <laughs> so you know I actually exactly need to what check I'm the hours. Well, so I beat the game the first time and got like kind of like there's three endings that got kind of, yeah. kind of the ending. Mm-hmm. And so then I spent a couple dozen hours. I have not checked the game clock to see exactly how many hours. Leveling mm-hmm. up my character like double what it was mm-hmm. when I first beat the game. And I figured out how to get the best ending. And then from there I just rolled into a new game plus. So I'm afraid to look at the time because <laughs> I've never I think I think with I think Fallout Three was the most game time I've spent with a game. That at least I knew of because sure. there was a clock counter that said I was spending 98 and a half hours. Because I remember being kind of bummed once I yeah. finished up all the DLC and had found everything in the game. Yeah. I was like, man, if I only could find something that would t- let me waste an hour and a half worth of time, then I'd cross the 100 hour mark yeah. in that game, but I never did it. That was the game where I'm like, I don't want to know this number anymore. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't it's a little on, guys. Once you break 300 hours, it should just stop telling you. <laughs> it's like, it should just say, go outside. <laughs> I fucking love that dumb game. I'm ready for. I'm ready. For, I need something a little more meat on my bones. I know that they're they want to do more story based DLC. I'm excited, but the end of the month they're going to release the uh, the timed exclusive Xbox One DLC on PS4. So. I just realized it's the first week of May, which means that if you're playing ho- playing along at home with the script from 1776, I think that starts this week. Like, the first oh, yeah? scene of 1776, I think uh, it's, like, May 8th or something. Oh. Just throwing that out there. It has nothing to do with video games. Also, uh, Grumpy Turtle Daniel Rudis, he just picked up Far Cry 4. I need to go back and jump in with I him. noticed he I was playing. I love the player stuff on that. Yeah. Yeah, that's I a think... fun game. Fully never finished it. Uh, I think we well, got... the story is kind we of got, whatever, but... We got dif- distracted by, uh... It's good multiplayer, though. I need to play yeah, with Yeah, it's a fun co-op game. It's Fucking a real fun experience. Down by the boardwalk. <laughs> it's the Far Cry. <laughs> You're And with that, everybody, this was the Boy Howdy Podcast. Stand by Me is one of the best songs in history, though. He, all those songs are like some of the greatest songs Why's in the world. Why's that got echoey kind of sound? Like, yeah. I, whenever I hear the song Stand it's By such Me, a I can hear that like song. In, the, in the middle of the night with like fucking yeah. that, that like middle of the night Motown sound where you just want to listen to that while watching Some of the, the greatest Motown songs of all time. I'm going to have to. Uh, fucking download it all. Listen to it on my way home. Maybe that will. If I don't have that dude standing at the street corner telling me I could get up that hill, maybe Benny it's, King can get me up the hill. And it's just it's just funny that they it's Benny King, you know, brother of Stephen King, who wrote Stand by Me, the movie. Oh, that's Good. a really funny joke. Serendipitous. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, hey everybody, 
this was the Boy Howdy Podcast. Um, that was Bill. I'm Annie. We're boyhoudypodcast.com at boyhoudypodcast on Twitters. Uh, let us know how you're feeling about the Mad Max movie. If you guys, guys. Want, like, in anticipation, yeah, because yeah, I'm thinking next week we're gonna be. We'll probably re- we may do end up doing like you may come to the Road Warrior thing on Saturday night, and then uh-huh. we'll be gushing about the Road Warrior, right? And then. Yeah, and then we will see in the movie yeah. the next. So you'll have to put us up with, with us t- freaking out about new Mad Max for one more week after yeah. this. And then there's going to be an episode of us going, ah! or me, Bill going, <laughs> and then anyone <laughs> I smack Bill. That's the other thing, because I would love to see this movie with you guys, but I don't want to be that guy who, after the movie, I'm like, that was okay. <laughs> yeah, because I can feel it. Ha- potential is definitely there. For yeah, that, but, yeah. Know. Yeah, it's funny because I asked Foley, I'm like, do you want to go see this movie with other people? Because I don't know, I know that you, Mad, Mad Max, she really loves Mad Max. She's really looking forward to this movie. Tom Hardy and Charlie Theron are two of her favorite actors. Uh-huh. So she's just fucking, like, losing her shit. Or, like, going to go see this movie and vibrate. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm really looking forward to it, too. But she, and so I'm like, do you want to take anybody? She's like, no one, she said, quote, no one can spoil my enjoyment of this film. <laughs> that, which sounds almost like a dick. Really? <laughs> oh, I'm uh, just looking up the Benny King's Wikipedia entry. So I guess uh, his brother was uh, Did Eat King. <laughs> and with that, <laughs> he was the smaller, easier to control of the King brothers. <laughs> we will talk to y'all next week. Take care, guys. Bye. I have no idea what this would be. Do I put the Donkey Kong country theme or do I put Stand By Me as our outro music this week? Can I hire someone to mash them up? Dun, 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 oh dun, my gosh. Uh, stand By Me. I can't remember how Stand By Me goes now. Darling, darling, stand by me. Just as long as you stand, stand by me.